Recording in progress. Yes. No, thank, thank you very much. In keeping with that tradition, uh, I will now bow to my right and bow to my left. Uh, and having done so, we'll now observe uh, a moment of silence uh, for prayer uh, or meditation. Thank you very much. Honorable members, uh, let me uh, take this opportunity to remind delegates uh, that the rules and the process for hybrid sitting uh, apply. Uh, I'd also like to make the following announcements. Uh, that delegates who are physically in the chamber must connect to the visual platform as well as insert their cards to register on the chamber system. They must switch off uh, uh, the sound of their gadgets. Uh, they must also ensure that the microphones on the gadgets are muted and remain muted at all times. They must use the floor microphones, must wear face masks at all times, must occupy seats marked for that purpose, and must at all times maintain social distancing, a distance of at least one and a half meters from each other. The delegates must switch on their videos if they want to speak and or address the, the chair. Any delegate who wishes to speak must use raise your uh, hand function or icon. And all delegates may participate in the discussion through the chat room. I have also since been informed that the Whippery has agreed that there will be no notice of motion or motions without notice. Honorable delegates, before we proceed to the subject of debate, I would like to take this opportunity to welcome the minister, welcome the MECs, and welcome Salga uh, representatives and all special delegates to the House. We shall now proceed to the debate on 16 days of activism against gender-based violence with the theme moving from awareness to accountability. I now call on the Honorable Minister Nguanama Shabane, Minister in the Presidency for Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities to open the debate. Honorable Minister. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson uh, of the NCOP. Honorable Deputy Chairperson and Honorable Members, I wish to commend the NCOP for their leadership in taking a firm stand against gender-based violence and femicide in our country. Today's debate is timely as we continue to mark 
the 16 days of activism campaign, which is marked by all members of the UN family. This campaign has once again put a spotlight on the heinous crimes being uh, committed against women and children daily in this country. We are brought together today by our collective commitment in tackling and eradicating gender-based violence and femicide. GPVF remains a second pandemic alongside with COVID-19 that continue to ravage and affect our nation. Despite the commitment of the government and civil society and almost two years of implementation of the National Strategic Plan, gender-based violence and femicide continue unabated with COVID-19 impacts further exacerbating the sketch. The theme for the 16 days of activism 2021 is the year of Charlotte Manya Matake, 16 days of activism moving from awareness to accountability. At the center of the theme is creating a sense of agency to move into action to address the lethal gender-based violence and femicide pandemic. We are putting this spotlight on the reality that turning the tide against a GBVF requires a society-wide society approach, which everyone at the forefront of the fight. We are committed to uh, tangible solutions to institutionalize the NSP and create a culture of accountability. We cannot, we, we continue conveying our message that every individual must take responsibility for their actions. We cannot stand and watch. We all need to form part of the collective to end gender-based violence and femicide. During this year, the 16 days of activism, the department has continued to wage the relentless campaign. With regards to mobilization, we have continued to mobilize different sectors of the society as part of joining forces and wrestling the entrenched GPF, VF crisis and pandemic. On the issue of National Council on Gender-Based Violence Bill, we have utilized the 16 days of activism campaign uh, pilot and the weeks immediately preceding the campaign to conduct physical consultations in all provinces on the National Council on GBVF uh, bill that we gazetted in September. We have received valuable inputs and continued to highlight the scale of the gender-based violence and femicide and the need for the custodian for the national strategic plan. The establishment of the custodian, which will be the council, will be guided by the uh, transformative legal framework. We have received inputs from all corners 
of civil society, and we are encouraged by society's willingness to input on such an important bill. Honorable Chair, over the first year of implementing the NSP, critical interventions with key sectors such as faith, community, taxi drivers, uh, main organizations, schools, be at a, a basic and tertiary institutions were piloted. The department has highlighted the process of harnessing the programmatic intervention as part of wider national prevention strategy. Multisectoral consultations and spotlight sessions have been convened in the uh, in line to ensure an inclusive and integrated prevention strategy that accelerates progress on stimulus and, and, on, and simultaneously eradicating the scarce, building social compact, and reviewing, uh, reweaving the torn society and societal fabric. As I deliver this, gender sensitive and gender based violence uh, and femicide training with taxi drivers is taking place in Ekangala district, Mpumalanga. As we move into the festive season with increased volumes of commuters using public transport, we want to ensure that uh, environment in which women and children feel safe while using public transport. It is important that we localize the gender-based violence and femicide response. Part of our awareness raising strategy has included the establishment of uh, rapid response teams in local districts and local municipalities in Eastern Cape and KwaZulu-Natal, uh, Limpopo and other uh, uh, provinces. The approach used uh, centers on building capacity to ensure provinces establish the and facilitate, facilitate functioning of multi-sectoral rapid, uh, rapid response teams, even to the level of a ward. Economic empowerment remains one of the most important critical cornerstones in the fight against gender-based violence and femicide. In line with Pillar 5 of the NSP on economic empowerment. On the 22nd of November, the department convened a hybrid session on enforcement of maintenance act against maintenance payment defaulters. The main objective here were to discuss tactics to address the challenges experienced by women in enforcing child maintenance orders, together with Justice Department, uh, to discuss the, the preparations for the implementation of a section that provides for the blacklisting of defaulters. During the session, 
we highlighted the importance of uh, addressing the economic vulnerability of women and children. While we wait, we are awaiting the establishment of the National Council for the GBVF, the establishment of a voluntary multi-sexual implementation collaborative has ensured that participation of all stakeholders in particular civil society is hard at work. The platform has 400 individuals spanning civil society, labor, business, faith community, and researchers. It continues to grow. This platform is also supported by the establishment of faith-based organizations, platform uh, constituted over 600 partners. The faith collective 120-day uh, communication campaign kickoff in November this, this month under the hashtag uh, Faith in Gender Justice. The campaign intends to ignite a shared vision of what gender-just society should look like and how we can influence the structural change. This platform have been instrumental in raising awareness on the 365 days campaign. We have progressive legislation in intensifying the fight against gender-based violence and femicide. The three GPVF bills named criminal law, meaning in brackets, Sexual Offenders and Related Matters Amendment Act to Domestic Violence Amendment Bill, three Criminal Matters Amendment Bill that are before the President for Assent are designed to bring justice to the victim, victims of gender-based violence and femicide. With this legislative framework, the government hopes to tackle three key issues. One, enhance process of applying for protection, uh, for, for protection orders. Ensure police take harassment claims seriously. Three, uh, bolster accountability and punitive measures uh, for offenders. It is indeed uplifting that Parliament approved the ratification of International Labour Organization, ILO Convention 190, that address the prevention, elimination, and management of violence and harassment uh, that uh, pervades the world of work. The country is also finalizing the code of practice on the prevention of elimination of violence and harassment in the world of work. This code of, con of good practice, which is found uh, on the ILO Convention 190. These are but a few policies and legislation frameworks currently under consideration and review. There are 
over 10 other policy instruments that are at different stages of development and getting attention spanning issues of marriage, uh, psychological, uh, uh, psychosocial support, housing, cyberbullying, hate crimes, discrimination, uh, the, the criminalization of sex workers. As we work on driving the national response for the GBVF, driving implementation of the policies and legislative instruments is key, is a key focus area. Programs have been undertaken by various stakeholders, including departments and civil organizations to empower women, girls, and fight gender-based violence. We remain embroiled in deeply entrenched GPVVF crisis and pandemic as we continue to simultaneously respond to the other pandemic, COVID-19. The department leads in pillar one on the NSP. The pillar is on accountability, coordination, and leadership. The pillar is about firm leadership and strengthened accountability that responds to the gender-based violence and femicide in a multi-sexual and institutionally coherent and resourced way. In advancing this pillar, we monitor accountability for delivery through monthly reports to the president. The reporting mechanisms are now well established for national departments. We are currently working with provincial and district municipality reporting mechanisms. Reports from the civil society sector are mainly obtained through the implementation collaborative platforms that we have established, but we indeed have more sustainable reporting mechanisms for the sector. Gender-based violence pandemic is evident in crime statistics that the Minister of Police has just uh, shared with us recently that 9,500 cases were reported between July and September 2021. In about, this is about 10% of cases uh, which would emanate with liquor and drugs were cited as contributing factors. However, we should never let go or let up. We need to continue fighting because that's what will make our society a worthwhile society of Nelson Mandela and the new South Africa. It cannot be that a country, as a country, we have such high teenage pregnancy rates as we have at the moment. This social ill has to be viewed as a multifaceted problem that exhibits overlapping challenges, such as the HIV and AIDS epidemic and the triple fault lines of poverty, inequality, and unemployment. In partnership with other departments, we have developed a teenage pregnancy program 
of action, the plan will form a crucial aspect of national gender-based violence and femicide prevention strategy. The Department GBVF volunteers youth ambassadors for all nine provinces. A number of community dialogues empowering women, girls, and LGBTQI plus persons have been convened. Radio communication and social media platforms have been used as part of communication plan that caters to reaching communities in the context of COVID-19 where physical gatherings have been limited. The Women's Economic Assembly was successfully launched by the president on the 6th of October this year, October 2021. This Women's Economic Assembly was designed as a multi-stakeholder platform to activate the public and private sector value chain. The focus is on commitment and action in terms of key industries like energy, agriculture, agro-processing, textiles, automotives, steel, and tourism. Gender-Based Violence Fund 1 has been formalized and the call for funding proposals was released in July 2021. In total, 69 million is set to be allocated to community-based organizations and intermediaries focused on addressing gender-based violence and femicide. About 60% of the funding is for empowering rural and uh, informal uh, areas. In terms of impact of on gender-based violence sketch on households, communities, and, economy, and the economy, the costs incurred are too high to turn a blind eye. GPVF has profound impact on the lives, mental health, and well-being of women, children, and LGBTQIA plus persons. GPVF interferes with women's social and economic development, which effectively prevents their equal participation. Economic abuse, whereby financial resources are controlled, withheld, has significant impact on the lives of women and children. Women are often left to no choice but to remain in abusive relationships. Gender-based violence and femicide cannot keep nullifying the uh, inroads we try to make towards economic empowerment for women and gender equality. Honorable members, there were 32 regional centers. As you conclude. Yes. As I conclude, we now have special courts uh, which will move towards 40, uh, where we will have specialists who are looking at the special mechanism to take care of uh, what women need. The lack of maintenance, uh, machinery, talking to the police, uh, look, also looking at uh, the 19 COVID-19 disruptions, uh, working with laboratory with with, with the, the police to make sure that uh, forensic science laboratories 
Thank you. Let's work together to eradicate gender-based violence and femicide in all our provinces, be it in KZN, Limpopo, Houghton, Northwest, and all our provinces. I thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. The next uh, speaker is Honorable M. Gillian. Honorable Gillian, or sorry, Christians. Honorable Christians, sorry. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Minister, Honorable Members and fellow South Africans, good afternoon. The killing of women is five times higher in South Africa than the global average. And two in three women have experienced abuse at the hands of their intimate partners during the COVID-19 pandemic lockdown period in South Africa. That abuse culminates into a woman being killed every four hours. Violence against women is one of the most persistent and widespread human rights violations in this country and across the world. This year has been yet another treacherous one for our women and children. Gender-based violence has inflicted scars that will never heal on its victims, on their families, on affected communities, and on our nation. Most women killed in South Africa are killed by their partners or ex-partners, and many of them suffer months of domestic abuse before their deaths. Home is the most dangerous place for a woman in this country. The intentional killing of women and girls in South Africa is driven by the prevailing toxic cultures of misogyny, patriarchy, toxic and violent masculinity, male entitlement, the rigid traditional and cultural stereotypes of gender, as well as the blatant discrimination and indifference to the lives of our women. Honorable Chairperson, Gender-based violence is a vicious and evil plague that we need to eradicate. Words alone, however, will not stop the violence, rape, and murder. We need a strong police service that is fully equipped, resourced, and soft. So that aside from responding to emergencies and catching criminals, they can also implement effective and visible policing. The reality is that our police are making it easy for criminals to rape, assault and murder. Criminals must be afraid of police and deterred by their presence, not empowered by their absence. Furthermore, Chairperson, femicide should become a public health concern in South Africa. This will put an emphasis on the health consequences of violence towards women and its enormous cost to society. It will also enable government to acknowledge the role of health and social care professionals in addressing gender-based violence. Studies show that abused women have significantly worse physical and mental health that non-abused women have, while other studies have also explored an association between domestic violence and delayed physical effects, especially arthritis, hypertension, and heart disease. It is therefore imperative that renewed training for health professionals is initiated to respond to the impact of gender-based violence. And that government acknowledges that violence against women is a major public health concern. 
Provision for counteraction should be made in national health policies and strategies so that specific funds can be earmarked for addressing direct and indirect forms of femicide. Honorable Chairperson, violence against women and girls is amongst the least prosecuted and punished crimes in this country and in the world. And intensified engagement with civil society is needed to prevent and provide redress for femicide. Government, in collaboration with civil society, should renew efforts to provide young men with the knowledge, tools, peer support, and leadership skills they need to adopt gender equitable behavior. Honorable Chairperson, we are sadly reminded of the most recent brutal murder of Nosiselo Ntembeni, who was dismembered by her boyfriend. Her grief-stricken father said, and I quote, while his parents have the privilege of seeing him, for me, it is a different situation because I will never see my daughter again. He added, I doubt I will ever recover from this. How many more grief-stricken mothers, fathers, and family members need to be quoted before we get it right. In line with this year's theme, from awareness to accountability, it can therefore only imply that the state is held fully accountable for the steps taken to end gender-based violence in this country. Honorable Chairperson, we also cannot move from awareness to true accountability if the police service remains chronically under-resourced. The delays in the criminal justice system claims a real human cost, as victims are unable to find the justice they so desperately deserve. One heartbreaking example is the daily fear of an elderly mother and grandmother from Pampirsat in the Northern Cape, who lives near her alleged rapist. The prolonged wait for outstanding DNA samples means that he could not be arrested due to the lack of evidence. As the backlog of the National Forensic Science Laboratory grows, there are many other examples of victims living in fear and being denied justice. Moving from awareness to accountability means that perpetrators are prosecuted and punished. It also means that we hold the state to account for services delivered to victims of violence, or in some cases, not delivered. Until such time as the different patrons in the state and the criminal justice system claim responsibility for their roles. Until such time as we hold government to account, the 16 days of activism campaign will remain nothing but a yearly dialogue. The women and children of this country deserve better. I thank you. Thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> Our next speaker is Honorable Killian. Please honorable, proceed. Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Minister, Honorable Members, I greet you all. Honorable Members, make no mistake, our stance on women as the ANC has always been clear. We have always and still persist to advance the progression of gender equality women empowerment, and drive social cohesion to realize a better life for all. South Africa, in, will, 
in which all belongs to, as articulated in the Freedom Charter, <clears throat> women in South Africa have always borne the brand of gender oppression, a ramification of inequality, the equivalent of patriarchy. Our history foretells that the ANC has always fought for the rights of women and encouraged women to claim to their recognition and space in the world, even in our organization. Women within the ANC have always played a pivotal role in the fight for women's rights. Women such as Silent McKeke laid the foundation for us women to take up space so that we can stand in platforms like these, not to flaunt, but to use our power to empower those that are powerless. For every generation of women, a struggle exacerbates. Women today need not to only fight the triple oppression they are seized with, but they also have to fear for their lives daily. Gender-based violence and femicide perpetuated by men to women is a violation of basic human rights to life, human dignity, freedom, and security. It is against our ideals as a society, as government, and as a movement. As government, we will always be vocal and active when it comes to matters affecting women. We will defend the rights of women. However, what we will do is to, what we will not do is to politicize gender-based violence and femicide and grandstand on the pain of women and children and those who have lost loved ones to this demeaning pandemic. What we all should be doing is to ask ourselves the following question. What am I doing to contribute to the fight against gender-based violence instead of constantly shifting the blame? Until we acknowledge and realize that everyone has a part to play in the fight against gender-based violence and femicide. We will never fully be able to combat this pandemic. We all ought to do activists, to be an activist within our own right, and to wear the hat of activism in our daily lives if we are to conquer the fight against gender-based violence. Our theme is indeed moving from awareness to accountability. In the past week, um, um, Chairperson in the National Assembly, the question of accountability was the question of the day. The opposition is too quick to point out the negative, neglecting the good that has been done in the implementation of the National Strategic Plan on gender-based violence and femicide. We understand undoubtedly that our duty is to account. Front, frontline workers play a crucial role in assisting victims of violence and gender-based violence, as they are usually the first point of help that victims encounter. In many cases, victims are confronted with secondary victimization, increasing their trauma. We noted and acknowledge that there is a need to train frontline workers, particularly SEPs 
in dealing with cases of gender-based violence, noting that government identified 13 national GBV hotspots. Provinces were requested to identify gaps and weaknesses in service delivery in SEPs and therefore develop interventions to improve their response in dealing with victims. The Department of Health, relevant to Pillar 2 of the NSP, undertook trainings on provincial master trainers and the sexual and reproductive health and the rights framework. Training of healthcare workers was conducted in various provinces, including Pumalanga province in August and Gauteng province in October. Further trainings were also done in KwaZulu-Natal and the Western Cape. The Department of Health also undertook gender-based violence awareness campaigns and outreach activities at Balata Clinic in Kwakwa during August and September this year. Furthermore, community health workers were trained to enable them to deal with gender-based violence-related matters. Honorable members, this is just a brief outline of the implementation of the NSP in our healthcare system that the opposition will not indulge themselves on. In the previous debate, there was a concern in which what SAPS was doing to strengthen relations with members of the community to fight GBV. We know that relations with the police and communities require strengthening to intensify our fight against gender-based violence and femicide. When people see the police, they must feel safe. And progress was done in this regard. We commend the efforts undertaken by SEPs to intensify this fight, understanding that substance abuse, such as alcohol and drugs, are contributing factors to issues of domestic violence and sexual abuse, such as rape. SEPs intensified the intervention program of liquor control, multi-sectoral operations, and this included awareness campaigns on what constitute domestic violence, sexual violence, and such strength. This was done in partnership with civil society and other government departments. Implementation was conducted provincially. CPFs are structures in our communities where members of the communities can combat crimes in partnership with law enforcement agencies. We acknowledge that gender-based violence takes place at a ward level. We recognize the importance of strengthening local structures, including civil organizational structures. That is why, um, Chairperson, in August 2020, SAP crime dialogues and imbezos led by the Minister of Police and his deputy, noting the challenge that we continue to face COVID-19 telecommunications platforms such as television and radio were utilized to reach people in these engagements and to engage on topics relevant to domestic violence, sexual abuse, and substance abuse.
Other engagements were conducted in various provinces, such as Gauteng, Eastern Cape, Western Cape, Limpopo, to name a few. There is progress being done, done, honorable members. Gender-based violence among young, young people is on the rise. Many GBVF cases that we often hear of are those of young people, young women being violated and murdered by their male counterparts. This is one of the reasons that led to the establishment of the National Youth Gender-Based Violence Commission and school-based engagement that addresses gender-based violence, sexual violence in school, bullying, and human tra trafficking, and substance abuse. Our children are in danger, even when they are in school. We must continue to drive our social cohesion agenda. Gender-based violence should be incorporated in the schooling curriculum. The Department of Basic Education has included in the curriculum programs of awareness to GBF, access to reproductive health, raising awareness of social justice and vulnerabilities, including the effects of gender-based violence on children. We have to protect our children, both girl and boy. We have to emphasize that in our empowerment of the girl child, we need not to neglect the boy child. We must encourage programs that allow and encourage boys to deal with their emotions. Honorable members, men do cry. Men do have emotions. And we must be a society that encourages men to feel. We commend the Department of Social Development for continuing integrated campaigns implemented on institutions of higher learning, focusing on, amongst other things, on youth in terms of social behaviors. Programs such as Men and Boys Assemblies, Asikulumi and, and GBVF, Interfaith Forums, and Village to Village, targeting traditional authorities in places. Can I continue? Uh, please continue and uh, just ignore what's happening there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you see they're not going to disturb the process? Can you see there? Please proceed, uh, honorable member. Thank you, Chair. With gender stereotypes and harmful practices, traditional practices which contribute toxic masculinity contribute in the empowering of the boy child. Honoring honorable members from the opposition in the NA alluded to under-resourced centers. Honorable members, we have 136 operational centers across the country with a bed capacity of 1,678. Shelters are being renovated across provinces 
and there are over 200 social workers that have been appointed to fight gender-based violence across provinces. And in the Department of Social Development has recently trained and deployed over 100 GBVF ambassadors in GBVF hotspots. Honorable members, there is progress in the implementation of the NSP GBV. However, we do acknowledge there is more to be done. If we are to fight gender-based violence, we have to adopt the multi-sectoral approach. This includes families and communities, as the family structure is the first point of socialization of whom norms and values and interactions with people are learned. Cultural formations and religious authorities are significant for communicating values that positively affirm women. These include sports and recreational activities. However, on the implementation of the NSP, we know that there is still more to be done with regards to mainstreaming GBVF issues affecting the LGBTQIA plus society and the limited shelters to, to tend for LGBTQIA plus persons. This includes the appointing of social workers within the space. Great work still needs to be done. Is it conclude, honorable member? Government in the implementation of the National Strategic Plan, we are aware of where improvement are required. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much. The next speaker is Honorable S.S. Mbonyana uh, from the Eastern Cape. Honorable Mbonyana. Thank you very much, Honorable. Greetings to you, Honorable Members. Allow me, Honorable Chair, to say in the interest of time. Honorable Chair, let me first express my genuine appreciation for the invite to participate in today's conversation here in the National Council of Provinces, the conversation about the pandemic of gender-based violence is a conversation that we must never get tired of having, even though at times it seems self-defeating and without any tangible results. On the contrary, Honorable Chairperson, this conversation um, offer a platform of feeling to people and of learning. I am therefore here today on behalf of the Eastern Cape government to add my voice of and reflect on the important work we are doing. Honorable Chairperson, the issue of gender-based violence, whether physical, sexual, emotional, or economic, is recognized globally as one of the most widespread and persistent violation of the rights of women and girls. It is a universal problem. It cuts crosses geography, class, and culture. It is certainly not unique to South Africa. Honorable Chairperson, South Africa is reported as the country with the highest rate uh, rape statistics in the world. In 2021-2022 financial year, 
the Eastern Cape SAPS reported 5,406 cases of sexual offences. However, there is a view that some women do not report sexual offender cases, and this therefore means that a realistic estimate is likely much higher than the recorded statistics. These statistics demonstrate that gender-based violence and rape culture form in South Africa is part of the social fabric and that women are disproportionately affected by violence. One notable rape, rape case that has received media attention is the past in the past month is the killing and dismembering of Nostello Debeni in Alfred in Madatmel. The culture of violence in our country is further reinforced by our culture, practices, and beliefs that women is a subject of men. This belief, Honorable Chairperson, is spread across different sectors of society, and in some instances, even in religious, in religious practices. Of course, this to larger extent is because of the exclusion of women to the real economy and productive sides of our economy. The fight against poverty and injustices will only bear fruit if we invest in addressing the root cause of gender inequality and gender-based violence in our families, societies, and nation. And that is the destruction of the patriarchal economy. Honorable Chairperson, we recently launched the 16 Days of Activism of Violence Against Women and Children campaign. To highlight the plight of women and children who are victims of gender-based violence and also mobilize society against it. Honorable Speaker, our key commemorative days during this period include World AIDS Day on the 1st of December and the International Day for the Persons with Disabilities. The theme for 2021 is the Year of Charlotte Maniama 16 Days of Activism, moving from awareness to accountability. In response to the scourge of gender-based violence in this country, which is declared a national crisis, the government is implementing the Emergency Response Plan on Gender-Based Violence and Femicide, which was announced by the President in September 2019. The campaign forms the center point of the government's comprehensive 365 days of activism for no violence against women and children. Honorable Chairperson, if we we are to be successful in our fight against gender-based violence. We need to see changes in attitudes in our society related to masculinity. We must continue to engage men and particularly young boys in challenging ideas of what it means to be a man. This, of course, must not be limited to engaging the minority of men who have committed violence themselves, but also include those men who allow violence through their silence. Young boys need role models who challenge violence against women and who show them that such violence is a sign of weakness rather than manliness. In this regard, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members, in the Eastern Cape, we have adopted habilitation and rehabilitation programs as part of our set of special interventions that are designed to optimize the functioning capability of individuals with impairments of interaction with their environment. In response to the family cohesion, social solidarity, and moral regeneration in the Eastern Cape, the Department of Social Development is implementing in all eight districts, including the metros, a compendium of social behavior change programs aimed at addressing behaviors and harmful social norms 
and preventative measures towards the developmental approach to the provisioning of social services. We engage in programs that target me and their behavior, such as mentor championing programs aimed at mobilizing and galvanizing men to effectively respond positively to issues of gender-based violence, adversely affecting families and local communities. This program, uh, Honorable Chairperson, also addresses the challenges of, of absent fathers and negative communication in families by facilitating programs that are promoting men becoming positive role models in families. We are also intensifying, Honorable Chairperson, our victim empowerment programs, which contributes to pillar number one of the National Crime Prevention Strategy, which aims for an effective criminal justice system. The Department of Social Development has the mandate to lead and coordinate the programs for the provision of integrated services to victims of crime and violence as part of the, at the district and provincial level. Honorable Chairperson, the objectives of the VEP, amongst other things, are to design and implement integrated programs and services to care support and empower victims of violence and crimes. It also seeks to coordinate all activities and efforts by various government departments and civil society to empower victims. Lastly, Honorable Chair, the Department of Social Development oversees the participation of all government departments involved in the victim empowerment sector. The function of the DSD, specific VEP intra-departmental forums, is to address, Honorable Chair, the cross-cutting issues on victim empowerment and strengthen coordination within the departments to develop the deeper knowledge and victims' issues, to identify legislation that cuts across and address implementation challenges, to jointly promote the social delivery model of the department to service providers and encouraging networking within the civil societies to assist victims of crimes. In the Eastern Cape, Honorable Chair, through the Department of Social Development, we have also launched a social behavior change program. The compendium is a package of social and behavior change program developed by the Department of Social Development, which will be implemented by the department in its response to gender-based violence. These programs will be implemented within multidisciplinary and multi-sectoral nature of community development and delivered as an integral part of social protection services. These programs will be implemented through the province, including Sarah Batman. Honorable Chairperson, I am of the strong view that government and society have a role to play more generally in encouraging and supporting girls who drop out of school due to pregnancy. We should support girls to re-engage in education as, as, as soon as possible after giving birth. Pregnancy should not prevent girls from completely completing their education. The responsibility of raising a child is a compelling reason to stay in education and become economically independent. We must also collectively deal with the challenge of forced child marriages. There cannot be no doubt on Chairperson that the journey towards equality and the empowerment of women remains a significant one. South Africa has already made a great stride, most notably is the in the level of presentation of women in political and democratic decision organs such as parliament. There can also be no doubt that there is still much more to be done. Honorable Chairperson, this is in, the, in line with pillar number three of the gender-based violence implementation plan, which set out to address... As the you move towards uh, uh, concluding your, your speech, Honorable Member. Uh, Thank you very proceed. much.
Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. Um, to address the systematic challenges that have resulted in adequate response to the management of gender-based violence cases, particularly domestic violence, sexual offenses, child homicide, uh, human trafficking, and other related matters. Honorable Chairperson, the fight for gender-based violence will not be won unless the entire society is mobilized to show complete disdain and rage against people who perpetrate violence. We must make it difficult for them to exist in our communities. And it is through these acts of activism and unity that we will ultimately win the fight. As Ben Oakley, the Nigerian writer and a poet will say, and I quote, the most authentic thing about us is our capacity yep. to create. And your time is up, honorable member. And transform to love and to be greater than our suffering. Close quote. Thank you very much, honorable Shepherdson. Thank you very much. Uh, the next speaker is honorable M.O. Mukause. Mukause. Chairperson, uh, we are once again gathered here to debate the most heartbreaking and a thorny issue, which so far isn't being given attention in this country, rather being given names and themes on a yearly basis by this government, which has got all the resources at their disposal to deal with the thorny issue of gender-based violence. Chairperson, women faces a number of challenges in South Africa with violence being the most prominent one. Violence is a prominent feature in the lives of South African women despite a number of human rights efforts which have been passed to curb it. Women are vulnerable to violence in a form of assault, sexual violence and homicide. At random, within the community's families, and especially from their intimate partners. We do not even need to think long and hard to find examples of violent acts which are committed against women in South Africa, Chair. As their names are often plastered on the front pages of newspaper, whispered around the dinner table of our homes on a daily basis. Just recently, Chair, three months ago, Nostelon Tebeni, a finally law student at the University of Fordham, was murdered by her boyfriend, Aluti Basile, who cut the body parts into pieces, stashed it into a suitcase, and left it out to the pavement. And perhaps nothing has reminded us of our high-level violence against women, more so than the nationwide lockdown period, which has the unintended consequences of highlighting gender-based violence, femicide, and in particular, intimate partner violence after an unprecedented high number of young women were murdered during this period. In just the first week of lockdown, gender-based violence statistics increased at an alarming rate, which was 37% higher than the weekly average of the domestic violence cases reported to police during the year 20. 19. Yet, Chairperson, these statistics are themselves inaccurate, as we know that there are many more cases of gender-based violence which go by unreported. Official police statistics themselves are riddled with problems of underreporting, corruption, lack of data, 
and only paint a part of the picture with only a small fraction being prosecuted and a handful of perpetrators being jailed. Chairperson South Africa has increasingly acknowledged the crisis of gender-based violence and the impact with which it has on the survivors, children, families, communities, and society as a whole. One could even argue that awareness is there, but this has not led to behavioral change for many perpetrators of gender-based violence. And despite the numerous campaigns and intervention by various organizations around gender-based violence, high levels of uh, violence incidents still occur in this country. And while some legal measures have been implemented to address issues around gender-based violence, what has become clear is that not enough is being done to deal with the dire levels of gender-based violence in South Africa. Gender-based violence is but second pandemic chain. It is a profound, it is profound and widespread problem which impacts almost every aspect of women's life. The scope and prevalence of gender-based violence which plague the South African landscape also suggests that there is a lack of political will to deal with this challenge here as a state response and implementation of gender-based violence-related policies and legislation have been found lacking. Chairperson, just recently, the ANC government, which claimed to be putting more effort in fighting gender-based violence, appointed a speaker in John Taolo Haitewe District Municipality in the Northern Cape with a number of cases of sexual harassment. Yet your government claimed to be championing gender-based violence programs. Lacking in this, in, in that there have been a number of failures by the various government departments due to lack of implementation of policies and programs. Greater accountability is therefore needed from the side of the government and a stronger stand on gender-based violence need to be taken as we need to work towards a criminal justice system which actually works which is able to conduct proper investigation and apprehend perpetrators of these crimes. Legislation enacted by the state has from violence and abuse does not provide strategies that are uh, put into account social economic factors within this violence Chairperson, may I be protected? May the ANC MPs please just be quiet for a moment. For socioeconomic factors such as poverty, which women are more prone to in comparison to men, places women at a more vulnerable position to sexual violence. Under the ruling party chair, your very same government, existing legislation's efforts have failed in protecting women against violence and have proved ineffective in the face of current statistics. This country is failing women. Our police, the prosecuting authority, the magistrate, the judges, the social workers and the correctional services facilities are hell-bent on perpetuating these crimes against women by giving these perpetrators on a slap on the wrist. 
Chairperson not long ago, a woman in Limpopo lost her four children, butchered all four of them by her husband. To date, these young women have never received any counseling from the provincial government. What is that? Yet you claim to be championing programs of gender-based violence. Chairperson, part of the solution of rattling this country's social ill lies in eliminating poverty making provision for proper shelter and housing for our women. All people must have land chairperson. All people must have job. Their freedom of expression themselves, expressing themselves in any way they deem fit. Our people must be employed and earn a living wage. Our people must be protected from drug laws, which provide without fear drugs which leads to social ills. Chair, this government must act and stop speeches, stop forming unnecessary forums, stop unnecessary conferences. They are not helping avail the resources and protect the women of this country. Act, you have the resources at your disposal. You are in government. There's nothing stopping you in availing these resources and protecting the vulnerable women of South Africa. As you conclude, honorable member, oh, thank you very much. Uh, the next speaker is going to be honorable N.M. Koza, MEC for Social Development in KwaZulu Natal. Uh, but as, 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 as she come, comes on, uh, I'll ask uh, Honorable Nguenya uh, to take over the chairing. Uh, Honorable Koza. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. <laughs> Honorable members of parliament and MECs from other provinces. Good afternoon to OP on this important debate, where as a nation we reflect on the progress that we have made in tackling incidents of gender-based violence. Without any doubt, Chair, as government of the day, we have been working very hard to confront the pandemic that ravages our society as we are looking at the implementation of the National Strategic Plan on Gender-Based Violence and Femicide. We also pay much attention where there are shortcomings and address these with agency, as well as with purpose. I totally agree with the former president of Malawi, Ms. Joyce Banda, when she said, and I quote, the seeds of success in every nation on earth are best planted in women and children. Honorable Chairperson, it's important that as a nation, we work together to ensure that this year's commemoration of the 16 days of activism for no, uh, violence against women and children is meaningful. We now have a 365 days program with an aim of building a society where women and children's rights are protected and prioritized. We know that sexual violence is a global problem that affects mostly women. It is said if we still have people who grandstand and politicize gender-based violence issues. Sexual uh, violence implies several acts, for instance, rape, sexual harassment, sexual abuse, forced marriage, and trafficking. We have one of the highest rates of sexual violence. 
In Guazulu Natal, one uh, in every hour, men had raped one woman or a girl. It is its least, at its least, and that brutally needs to end. As government of the day, including our social partners, we have hosted a number of awareness programs to voice our anger against violence against women and children. But it is high time that we have marches which are led by men because women have marched, women have prayed. We still continue to fight, find ways of making homes and communities safe uh, for all, especially for women and children, because a number of cases of abuse, rapes and murders are done by those known to the victim. We have been mourning far, uh, far too long and even talk about DS, our dear sisters and children as statistics, but the NC government committed itself to ensuring that those involved in violence against women and children get arrested and ensure that they get more sentences. Thanks uh, to, to our government uh, for, for assistance, uh, financial assistance, in, um, in ensuring employment of more social workers to fight the gender-based violence. They are deployed in hotspot areas like Inanda, Kwamashu, Umlazi, and Hammerstein. We all know that, that violence of women takes many forms, including physical, sexual, economic, and psychological but all of these represent a violation of human dignity and human rights. The abuse of women and children have lasting consequences for victims, uh, their families, and for their communities. Hence, we must collectively confront the reluctance on the part of some victims of violence to come forward and report the, perpetrator, the perpetrators. And for victims to, to withdraw the cases is a cause for concern. We establish a, a relationship with religious sectors, traditional leaders, traditional healers, and taxi operators against gender-based violence. A great initiative as we tap into wisdom and influence of these sectors and the population to send the sketch, to end the sketch. With different sectors of our society, we are committed to fighting gender-based violence or abuse of women and children and the LGBTIQ communities. Chairperson, this year we commemorated uh, the 16 days of activism under the theme, uh, the year of Charlotte McClague, Manya McClague, 16 days of activism, moving from awareness to accountability. This is because we know that many women are abused due to lack of knowledge uh, of their rights and the social stigma around domestic violence. Equally, we know that finance, financial dependence of women on their partners uh, exacerbates their vulnerability and tends to force them to stay in abusive relationships that also leads to their deaths. It has become clear that more and more women need to be exposed to programs that will ensure their financial independence. That is why recently we have just opened uh, the, the Wentworth uh, Development uh, uh, Center. Our former first lady, Ms. Grasha Marshall, once said, gender equality is the goal that will help abolish poverty, that will create more equal economies, economies fairer societies, and happier men, women, and children, in, in close quotes. Clearly, 
She calls on us to build a country that is safe for women and children to live in. Honorable person, we know that damage is no way diminished by the ignorance of the perpetrator. It is only with the uncovering of the complete truth as it affects all those involved that a genuinely viable solution can be found to the dangers of women and children. In KZN, we have customized the national strategic plan to our context and have a provincial strategic plan that we are currently implementing with all its pillars to bring an end to gender-based violence. Our activities include preventions, proper treatment of victims uh, when reporting cases to the police, proper reporting and capturing statements of cases of rape, and ensure abuses, abuse cases are attended to the fullest and effective arrest of the perpetrators. That is why the Honorable Premier and myself visited uh, Inanda Police Station. We have ensured that police stations indeed have existing victim-friendly friendly rooms. Former Secretary of the UN, Ben, ben Kimun, clearly put it, and I quote, achieving gender equality requires the engagement of women and men, girls and boys. It is everyone's responsibility. That is why that I, I, I find it strange if we still have people who uh, politicize this. We, really, we recently commemorate International Men's Day in Mbumbu, in Deben, where is Induna work work with us to educate young men and boys on how to relate with girls and women around them. We are working on programs to detect the violence even at schools. And for these programs, uh, young men will know how to deal with e-rejection. Uh, as government of the day, we are working hard with a renewed focus uh, to ensure that all those involved in abuse of women and children get arrested and get uh, uh, longer sentences. Let us think about faces behind the statistics as stated in the first quarter of 2021-2022. About 10,006 people were raped between April and June, which was increase of 4,201 cases, amounting to 72.4%. Compared to the to the reporting period in the uh, previous term, as a sample of 5,439 rape revealed that uh, 3,766 of the rape incidents took place at homes of the victims or the homes of rapists. Rape cases were domestic violence related. This is a crisis we face as a nation, which shows that people have lost their morals. As government, we are continuing to deal with this as a matter of agency. That is why we have uh, those awarenesses that we create uh, in the form of... Uh, As you uh, conclude, Honorable Kosa. Uh, over the weekend, we are hosting a boys' assembly, Honorable uh, Speaker. This, this government, with its social partners, drives a strong program to turn the tide against gender-based violence. And the, the provision of different skills to victims of gender-based violence 
remains the strongest answer to our challenges. For, the, for this government to put more emphasis on women and empowerment and gender will help win the war against gender-based violence. We believe that the 365 days action plan will enhance a concerted approach to end gender-based violence with Your measures. Your time is over, Honorable Member. Thank you. Thanks very much, Honorable Member. The next speaker is Honorable Zetim Kiva, African National Congress. Honorable Mkiva. Manbulise Sal, the police Nagumatung, Gleon Alendu, the police Nagum became Kumpatiswa, Ochang, and Emitrim B, Amanina, Abanduana, Uluchana, Bandu, Abakubas, Gleon, Siabulisagaku. Honorable Chair, it will not surprise many to hear that violence bedevils women in their everyday lives. In times of social and economic crisis, the numbers of women who report some form of violence rise as seen during the COVID-19 pandemic and the subsequent lockdown imposed by government to contain the spread of the virus. Whilst it is pervasive, GBV is not inevitable. It can and must be prevented. To be successful at curbing GBV, we need to develop a much broader view of violence to understand the main socioeconomic issues that confront women from a broader perspective. By extending our definition of violence beyond physical attacks against women and focus more on social economic issues that are a catalyst to various forms of deprivation, be they be economic, political, social, and cultural. We can restore an ethical dimension to the discussion on GBV. In fact, an ethical dimension does not only help us to tackle the root causes of GBV head on. It also enables us to develop comprehensive and inclusive approaches that improve the quality of the life of women and girls in our country. As I have argued earlier on, it is hard to overlook the paramount socioeconomic issues when one observes all forms of violence against women and girls in South Africa today. In an attempt to assess the causal relation between socioeconomic issues and GBV, I cannot hope to cover all the massive body of knowledge regarding this relationship. Rather, I chose to limit myself to the casual relationship between economic development and GBV. Honorable Chair, our economic growth trajectory has not to date fully empowered women to live the lives they have risen to value. The dominance of the extractive industries and the financial sector as the largest contributors to our overall gross domestic product tends to reduce the participation of women in the workforce. By producing growth in economic sectors that tend to employ men, like mining, construction, and heavy industry, while crowding out sectors that tend to employ uh, women, like export-oriented light industry, agriculture, as well as uh, agricultural processing. 
Chairperson, since fewer women enter the workforce, women in South Africa, women in South Africa tend to, to be marginalized in these main industries. In short, the economic growth spearheaded by the attractive industry and the financial sector does not empower women as it falls short of transforming the status of women. We will enter the formal market for wage labor, uh, bear fewer children, achieve higher literacy rates, and gain the same rights as men. Moreover, it falls short of transforming inherited behavioral patterns and patriarchal beliefs, uh, or primitive beliefs for that matter, that women are inferior by nature, which is something that is in contrary with our African culture. To avoid being simplistic about this, the recent report by Minerals Council of South Africa indicates that women are underrepresented across all management categories. Relatedly, the finance sector attracts women, but at a lower occupational levels since the sector is capital instead of labor intensive. Another drawback of the financial sector is that its job opportunities require tertiary qualifications, which most black women do not possess on the one hand. And it perpetuates the barriers that constrain women's access to credit and finance on the other hand. These barriers prevent South Africans in general and black women in particular from improving their respective economic situations. Women face difficulties due to COVID-19 pandemic and a recent data which has been produced by NIDS CRAM, for example, shows a disturbing trend that women account for most of the unemployed and COVID-19 related job losses. And yet many women do not, have not benefited from either UIF as well as COVID-19 social relief of district grants uh, at the same rate as men, despite being worse affected in terms of job losses during this period. Ironically and perversely, women are more likely to head more households than men, thereby implying that high unemployment rate amongst women exposes most households to food insecurity, hunger, poverty, and inequality. Of course, Chepesin, a boom in the extractive industries and financial sector produces a boom in government revenues some of which are passed on to households headed by unemployed women through transfers, typical social security grants as issued by SASA. But the combination of the rising unemployment and rising unearned income in the form of the social grants do not encourage women to withdraw from the home sector and subsequently increase women labor force participation in the formal sector. Without strong incentive to hire women, the labor market will always rely on men. That is its traditional source of labor. That trend needs to change and change now, Chair. The ANC government is, in, is committed in a number of practical projects that seeks to change the way in which women are treated in South Africa, particularly regards to economic development and empowerment. As this government, we have put the Ministry of Women and Department of Women in particular right in the highest office in the land, in the presidency. That is why Sinoma Maumaite Nkwane Mashabanapa Siambona Getinaga Ekwangush 
engene zilalini ekimisegisa indobana ulwa no nobukebenga nobuheleku ebenzwa ngamadoda enza into enxaxileyo kusindu sethu so ukuchaphaza abantu abangomama no ukuchaphaza abantwana eh kwelilizwe now the self objective goal of this practical project is to play a crucial transformational role by reviving manufacturing and agricultural sectors which are directly linked to women labor force participation for instance the department of agriculture land reform and rural development through its bslap allocated 34156 hectares of land to women at an average of about 1000 hectares per female in the financial year that ended 31 march 2021 this will revive the lagging agricultural sector which employs women at a higher rate and increase the participation of women in the formal economy this in turn will enable women women working in agricultural sector to mobilize more rights and gender equality furthermore the same department managed to acquire a further 7127 hectares which benefited a total of 238 women for land tenure reform purposes in the year that ended 31st march the same financial year that i i, I referred to the importance of this chabesin is that this women will be able to engage in subsistence farming which was previously impossible due to lack of secure land tenure this in turn will assist women who are unemployed due to operational segregation in the leading sectors of the economy to significantly improve food security as well as to reduce mal malnutrition in all its facets uh, chairperson the anc led government is also committed to reversing the trend of the industri industrialization that started in the 1980s under the yoke of apartheid industrialization has the potential to rapidly draw women into the formal economy as a, as sources of labor in export oriented firms take for example chair as at the 31st march 2021 transnet spent above 7 billion on black women owned companies by developing their capabilities to be competitive and self sustaining most of these companies are in the manufacturing sector with prospects of being competitive in the international market chair while it will be fair to suggest that the projects i just mentioned are the fruits of the anc led government interventions there is still more that the government needs to do to set the momentum for decisive action and investment in advancing gender equality in our country elo gibela lomcimbi okanye lenyewe yokuchaphazwa labantu abangomama kuthi ayonto siyanzanje ngencenini yobana namhlanje sesine 16 days of activism ndiyibekile ndayithunga injobe ebandla into kokubana sinesebe elikhokhelwa ngumama omayite enqwane mashabane elikhwangushayo lichotshela enhle ngemiba yonke ekhaphazela abantu abangomama ukusukela kwinto yokubana omama befakwe phansi kocinizelela ngabantu aba abaphefumula ngendlela engeyiyo ngendlela abanyathela ngawo ngamanyathela abo sithike kubantu abadoubtayo we want to tell them that the ANC government has a political will 
which is driven by the fact that the ANC itself is the pillar of our society. And we started with these initiatives and this project from the time immemorial. And to us, it is not just an eventful issue. It is not a periodic issue. even more resources to that department so that their programs could be very efficient and very effective and they could go through the length of and the breadth of our country. Thank you very much, Chebesin, for the opportunity. Thanks very much, uh, honorable member. All the honorable members. And the next uh, speaker is Honorable S. Osho, DA. Honorable, honorable chairperson, honorable chairperson, honorable minister, honorable members and fellow South Africans, good afternoon. Dr. Michelle said, if we are here in solidarity with this beauty of unity in our pain, we have to pledge to do something to make this country of ours a country which is safe. Honorable Chairperson, violence against women and children is not cultural. It's criminal and equality cannot come eventually. It's something we must fight for now. Otherwise, we will never turn the tide against GBVF. The issue of gender-based violence is at the heart of human rights and cannot be disputed. It is, in fact, in many ways, a determining factor as to whether we can ever have a just society. While gender-based violence plagues South Africa, we definitely cannot lay claim to a just society. Abuse, Honourable Chair, is not a woman, youth, and persons with disability problem only. It is a systemic and societal problem, and government, as a collective, must acknowledge GBVF as a pandemic, second to COVID-19, and just as with the drastic measures implemented to combat COVID-19, such measures are needed from our government to address GBV. It would appear as if the level of tolerance for all aspects of gender inequality, including violence against women, sustains a narrative that almost accepts that you can oppress half of society and life just goes on as if nothing has happened. Honorable Chair, the ball is in our court and together we have the ability to change the above narrative by finding a way of addressing it and addressing it now. Div domestic violence has always been a big area of focus. 
We saw the launch of the Emergency Response Action Plan on GBV and femicide in, a, in September 2019, linked to an amount of 1.6 billion rand. But honestly, I do not think we have developed interventions proportionate to the size of the challenge that addresses this violence. On the horizon is a new challenge, that of how we will be facing technology which is fueling the trafficking of women and children, cyberbullying, and many other forms of violence that we don't even understand yet. This honorable chair must be addressed immediately. We also have access to justice as a major challenge, such that even here in South Africa, where we have laws that are supposed to protect our women and children and to prosecute any crimes against women, women just do not receive the justice they deserve. We have the Domestic Violence Act of 1998, the Children's Act of 2005, the Maintenance Act of 1998, the Promotion of Equity and Prevention of Unfair Discrimination Act of 2000, and the Criminal Law, the Sexual Offences and Related Matters Act, Amendment Act of 2007, and yet the offences keep rising. Women and girls are facing greater levels of vulnerability, marginalization, and resulting violence, especially those who experience multiple and intersecting forms of discrimination, like the widows, the elder pe elderly people, as well as women whose sexual orientation is not acceptable. Both men and women who face homophobia are also among the most vulnerable in our society. Honorable Chair, today my speech is dedicated to all those brave women and children and also to their families. My heart goes out to the families of Nosikilu Mtebeni. I know that Honorable Makusa Makuausa mentioned it, but I am mentioning it as well. As was said, she's a law student at the University of Fort Hare and was brutally murdered by her brave boyfriend, Aluta Pasili. I really and truthfully hope that justice will suffice for these families. As a society, we can no longer remain neutral. In situations of injustice, we can no longer be caught up in views of superiority and opinions. This attitude must be erased to ensure we stand up against all oppressors without fear or favor and regardless of our beliefs. Honorable Chair, we cannot only start joining our women and children in this fight in these 16 days of activism. We must be there for them 365 days a year. And we must ensure that we do actually move from accountability, from awareness to accountability. I thank you, Honorable Chair. Thanks very much, Honorable Member. And the next speaker is Honorable Njali Njali, Mpumalanga, MEC Social Development. Honorable Nkosi, you are to Honorable Nkosi, please. Honorable Njali Njali. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair. Let me start by greeting your good self. And let me also greet uh, the chair of the 
House, the Honorable Chair of Council of Provinces, the Honorable Deputy Chair of Council of Provinces, Honorable Minister present here, and all our uh, emissaries across the uh, provinces, our Honorable Members present in the House, and also our esteemed guests, fellow South Africans. Again, Guli Seslalo, Nipinde Futi Keridumelang, Lochani, Molueni. I would like to take this opportunity and appreciate the opportunity that has been given to us as a province of Mpumalanga to come and address this August House. This house is, is addressed as we are dealing with the uh, uh, gender-based violence against women and children. The UN Secretary globally announced that uh, uh, the theme for the 16 days of activism was based on the orange world to end violence on women now. Honorable Speaker, approximately 51.1%, which is about 30.5 million of the population of South Africa is female, and 48.9 is male. The majority of South African women are still economically uh, vulnerable and statistics confirm that women in the country have higher unemployment rates and higher levels of poverty. Honorable Chair, the, this government, through its analysis, concluded that gender-based violence has reached crisis level beyond proportions. And I'm certain we all agree that this is not acceptable, especially in our lifetime. The year of 2021 has been declared as the year of incredible women like Umama Chaloch Makoike, which the theme is moving away from awareness to accountability. And we, 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 are, we are encouraged as women that uh, we follow Umama Umakoike, as she is one of the women who was an activist, a teacher, a politician, a founder of the Bantu Women's League. She mobilized women to march against and protest against inhuman and colonial government. Honorable Chair, this was not only progressive resistance of women at the time. Mama Matraga has also detested past laws, the manner in which they sought to restrict a movement of women. She further organized and mobilized women against past laws during the 1913. She also made sure that she led the first uh, anti-pass laws against the union government. Honorable Chair, the gradual changes in our society created by the sudden surfacing of COVID-19 globally, uh, the pandemic has awakened our cognition and adoption and adjusting in a new normal. As a country, we had to restrict ourselves since the first case confirmed on 5 of March 2020, which forced government to embark on a drastic decision in order to save life and the future of South Africa and her people. The scourge of gender-based violence pre-existed in the country. However, it has become harsher and harder for women and children because they are vulnerable and are part of our society. The type of violence that, we, that these vulnerable groups had to endure was from physical, sexual, emotional, and violence. 
South Africa is currently experiencing a serious challenge due to increasing number of young women, girls who are daily raped, murdered, burned, and buried alive in some instances. The high prevalence of such violence and crime against women and children has become a national crisis. As a result, we appreciate the role played by media, civil society in bringing this crisis to the forefront and raising awareness of the high rates of violence against women and children. Chairperson, this is therefore a call for an agent, an agent call to all our men. We fondly say in Isizulu, where my daughter, Sabelani, calling all, all men to stand up and make action against violence. It is on these innocent women and children of our country that we must protect. The Department of Social Development in Pumalanga has identified areas that are highly affected by the scourge of gender-based violence. These are reported through our local police stations and in partnership with safety and security. Honorable Chair, allow me to highlight these few areas for the information. In Ehlanzeni and Mbombela uh, municipality, we have a hotspot in Matsulu, Kapogweni, Masoi, Tekwane, Pola in Zigazi, and our nail spray farms. In Gomazi, it's in Tonga, Skumansdal, Mananga in Buzin, and Libombo. In Pushpakrish, Kubogani, Akonu, Castile, and Calcutta. In Herzibande, the prevalence is high in Governing Begi, Mbalenje, and Bethal. Chief Albert Lutuli, El Guadini, Caroline. Mkondo is in Pitridif. Pixlika Isakaseme municipality is in Dachakral and Polkras. Msugalikwa is in Emelo. Nkangala district is in Emalasieni municipality. In Tembisilian municipality, it's Gwamshanga and Siabuswa in Dr. J.S. Muroka. The work of government is to introduce legislative framework to ensure criminals who commit these crimes are persecuted and sentenced accordingly. And we have successfully done that. Hence, our government has established the following institution in terms of your, the Commission for Gender Equality, the Equality Courts, Sexual Offense Court, Family Courts, and Enforce the Domestic Violence Act. The United Nations Secretary General study on ending of violence against women from Words of Action, October 2006, amongst other stress that I quote, the most effective weapon to fight violence against women is a clear demonstration of political commitment. Such statement by high government officials backed by action and commitment of resources by the state, I close quote. As a Department of Social Development in Pumalanga, we take agent and, cons and, con and concrete measures to secure gender equality and protect women's as women's rights as human rights. Honorable Chair, allow me to share a statement by former president of the ANC, Isitwalande, Udata Oliver Tambo. I quote him, Honorable Chair, when he concluded uh, his uh, women's conference section on the 14th of September, 1981 in Luanda, Angola. I quote, the mobilization of women is the task 
not only for women alone or of men alone, but of all of us, men and women are alike. I close quote. As the Mpumalanga Department of Social Development, we have created an intervention plan on addressing gender-based violence at all three levels, namely under prevention, This level seeks to intensify uh, gender-based prevention programs to ensure communities are educated and made aware of negative impact uh, of gender-based violence on individuals, families, communities, and the society at large. The program focuses on transforming people's attitudes, practices, and behavioral change. Gender-based violence, thereby ensuring reduction of gender-based violence. The department further implemented a 365-day prevention plan on no violence against women and children. We also conducted dialogues, awareness campaigns on the scourge of human trafficking to focus on these young girls and boys because those are the most vulnerable also to marriage scam and fake job opportunities. In the current financial year of 2021-22, a total number of 350 Awareness campaigns were conducted, reaching and as, as, as we as conclude, we, thank you, Honorable Chair, uh, that were conducted to conclude the, uh, the, the awareness. In terms of your care and support, the department is working together with the sectors like your police and also programs of women and youth. As I conclude, Honorable Chair, allow me to say, uh, as today, tomorrow is the 10th of December, marks the end of the 16 days of activism against women and children. Let us take this opportunity to participate actively, 365 per day, every day, in every corner, so that we can (coughs) fight the scourge of gender-based violence. Thanks very much, Honorable I would now like to call Honorable Dubray, FF Plus. Honorable Dubray. Honorable I can hear you, Advocate. Honorable Tibray Ukona. Honorable Tibray is not in uh, So can I absent? <laughs> okay, Sia Kuba. Uh, I would like to call Honorable B. Moira, Northwest MEC Social Development. Moira. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members of the NCOP. Special greetings to esteemed speakers in the August House, and I greet you all South Africans, Honorable MECs in different provinces. Honorable Chair, let me take this time to thank you for this opportunity to take part in this very important debate in your August House. This important debate 
reminds us that gender-based violence is one of the pandemics we are experiencing in the country. It has been a very tough time for all South Africans during this era of COVID-19, but it is extremely tough for both victims and survivors of gender-based violence in our society. Honorable Chair, this debate has a very significant place in my heart due to the fact that as women, we must stand up against the scarce of in our daily life spaces. Members of this August House must be key stakeholders in combating this scourge of gender-based violence. This debate comes at a time whereby our country is going through uncharted waters due to the COVID-19 pandemic as it manifests itself through variants, Omicron. Honorable members, it is due to the other pandemic called gender-based violence and femicide we find ourselves we find ourselves in uh, this painful debate. Gender-based violence and femicide incidents continue to rise in our society, the Northwest province included. The topic of the theme for this debate pay special attention to 16 days of activism for no violence against women and children. According to the recent statistics by change.org, it points out that one in three women will experience abuse at the hands of their intimate partners. They continue to paint grand picture when they claim that in South Africa, the abuse culminates into a woman being killed every four hours. This is an indictment on all of us as lawmakers. Due to the growing cases of GBV and femicide in our society, we find ourselves being forced to embark on a rigorous gender-based violence and femicide combat program of action and campaigns. It is also noted that most women killed in South Africa are killed by their partners and ex-partners, and many of them suffer months or years of domestic abuse before they get killed. Honorable members, this dim picture is not what we can write home about. The scale of GBV and F requires us to work as a team because together we can defeat it. It is in this spirit that we are inspired to take head on this sketch of GBV and femicide in our society. Last year, we have adopted a 365 days of activism against gender-based violence. As part of our 365 days approach, uh, we decided to convene a platform which was called GBV Combat Provincial Stakeholders Visual Engagement with stakeholders who play a critical role in the battle against GBV and femicide in our province with a clear intention to mainly listen to their views, contribution and proposals towards the Department of Social Development on matters related to GBV combat program. The Department of Social Development in partnership with stakeholders decided to heed to the call of the president' commitment to respond to the alarming rate of GBV and femicide incidents by developing a provincial response plan to ensure prevention and provision of services to the victims of gender-based violence and femicide. As the country works towards overcoming the social and community fallout of COVID-19, I saw it proven prudent to prioritize the combat against GBV and femicide 
through the launch of 365 days approach. The 365 GBB combat program will include measures to support and protect women and children in our society. Honorable Chairperson, as a department, we have made a commitment to the battle against GBV and femicide through our provincial gender-based violence response plan. The goal of the provincial gender-based violence response plan is to prevent gender-based violence and femicide and to respond promptly to the needs of the victims. The core desires outcomes of our response plan are improving access to essential care support protection and to attain justice for GBV survivors, improve access to early intervention and prevention services intervention through strengthening support for those involved in response and prevention, including civil society and stakeholders. A better informed public about laws, rights and responsibilities underpinned by public education campaign around survivors' rights, women, children, and LGBTQI plus persons, patriarchy and related forms of discrimination and inequalities, to also increase access to economic opportunities that set out to meaningfully address women's social and economic vulnerability. Uh, lastly, Chair, the radical awareness of mobilization at community level as part of our prevention approach. Honorable Chair, let me take also this opportune moment to give a synoptic view on our interventions in the battle against GBV. The first level seeks to focus more on prevention, early intervention, and statutory services. Our pre prevention approach is about raising awareness through the following. 16 days of activism for no violence against women and children, 25 November to 10 December. We have 365 days of activism against gender-based violence. We're using the activists of gender-based violence. Women's Month through awareness campaigns, workshops, seminars, door-to-door -door campaigns, and community dialogues. Men's Month. We're raising awareness about the fight against gender-based violence. Victims' Rights Week in September, Human Trafficking Week in October. Uh, Honorable Chair, the early intervention is high on psychosocial support services through the following interventions. We, we refer our victims when necessary provision of overnight accommodation when necessary. We give them counseling. We debrief them when they go to court. Victims and part report replied for court. Uh, that's what we do in the, in the province, uh, honorable chair. The other thing that we are doing, a uh, chair, a total number of 22,457 people were reached through community engagement programs and a total of 1,351 victims of gender-based violence and femicide and crime are receiving sheltering services. Currently, we also provide support services to 1,669 victims of crime and violence. 
We currently have one fully established white door at Rattle Service Point run in partnership with the LPO. There are two white doors currently being established at Swain and Moritel Service Points to be launched in the fourth quarter. Honorable uh, members, it is without doubt that GBV Response Plan SA Department will only be successful through partnership. As you approach. conclude. Yes, ma'am, in combating this case of GBV and femicide. Therefore, through this debate, we are called upon to join the battle against GBV and femicide, and together we will prevail. Thank you. Thanks very much, honorable member. The next uh, speaker is uh, Councillor F.N. Mabo Boltman. Salga. Thank you. Thank Honorable you. Boltman. Yes. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, greetings to the leadership in there, the Chairperson of the NCOP, Honorable Minister Maiten Kwanamashabane, the Deputy uh, Ministers, uh, Honorable Deputy Chairperson of the NCOP, the Honorable Chief Whip of the NCOP. Honorable House uh, Chairpersons, Honorable Members of uh, all nine provinces, Honorable Permanent and Special Delegates, Secretary of the NCOP, uh, allow me to convey the messages of uh, greetings from Salga and uh, appreciate the opportunity to speak here this afternoon. The United Nations supports this civil society-led campaign through the United Nations Secretary General's Unite to End Violence Against Women campaign. The Unite campaign utilizes Orange, Orange World, End Violence Against Women Now. Uh, Chairperson, I like the now issue. That is to uh, represent a brighter future free from violence against women and girls as a unifying theme running through all these global activities. The national theme for 2021 is the year of the Charlotte Mania Matreke, 16 days of activism, moving from awareness to accountability, calling on all levels of government, communities and business to play an active role and be accountable in the fight against the GBVF. The Blow the Whistle on Violence Against Women campaign by Salga introduces the whistle as an emergency tool of attracting attention and preventing violence and supporting the vulnerable. Salga has partnered with Old Mutual who supported the campaign by procuring um, 1,500 whistles and pepper sprays, which are being uh, distributed, especially amongst most vulnerable, the elderly women living alone, child-headed families mostly led by girls, persons living with disabilities, including the LGBTQI plus persons. During the 16 days period, Salga working with municipalities, the government together with civil society, 
and the private sector are conducting a series of community and sector dialogues and activities to foster a, a collaborative effort in dealing with GBVF. I Jefferson, just want to indicate to the House that uh, SWC, which is Salga Women's Commission, have identified around the country the GBVF hotspots. We have identified and are holding activities in, in those uh, areas by, by handing over, as I indicated earlier, the whistles and the pepper sprays. In the interest of time, I'm not going to indicate in terms of which uh, areas, but we have identified a number of that uh, through the structures of uh, 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 women uh, in councils and in, in all the municipalities. So I'm not going to, to, to count them uh, here, but there is an alarming increase of gender-based violence on women in different forms and scales in the country. We mourn the continued horrific and barbaric, barbaric killings, as well as other unspeakable things targeted at women and children. We convey our heartfelt condolences to the families who lost their loved ones in this manner. It was said to see that a human uh, remain can be found in the fridge, for example, and that is really something that one cannot speak about, and that is uh, caused by people we live in with, and that is bad. COVID-19 pandemic has worsened the inequalities and discrimination that women experience in every sphere. We must transform society so that no woman, young or old, experiences poverty, racism, violence, discrimination, or exclusion, and women realize their full economic, uh, uh, social, and political rights in society. Jefferson, I visited one of the houses uh, in the past week. When you get in that house, uh, it is like the roof is a uh, 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 lace. The way the sink is, it was raining, uh, and it is still raining. And if you look in there, it's a woman who is staying with her children. So the issue of poverty is something that we need to deal with and face it head on. One of the focus areas of the Salga Women's Commission is to strengthen local government response on issues of social justice that relate to gender equality and women empowerment. Salga joins hands with other organizations and stakeholders to reaffirm our women and children um, to reaffirm our commitment, apologies, to accelerate uh, collective efforts to end violence against uh, our women and children in South Africa. The SPU, which is the special programs in the municipalities, which are placed in the offices of the executive mayors, um, they, they host designated and vulnerable groups the women, the youth, persons living with disabilities, uh, the elderly and children's programs. This brings to the attention of the municipalities the plight of the vulnerable groups and the need uh, uh, for, for, for their inclusion in the programs and activities of the municipalities through their representatives, uh, 
attending municipal programs and having their own programs supported. Chaperson, the sketch of gender-based violence and femicide targets the vulnerable and the local government sphere is at the cold face of these occurrences. So the Salga Women's Commission puts a proposal to the newly elected councils so that they, uh, the proposal is for them to establish and strengthen and, and resource, of course, the following structures. The multi-party women caucuses in, in all municipalities. And those uh, structures must be established as, as permanent Section 79 Council Committees. The women forums, the youth forums, the persons living uh, with disability forums and the elderly forums, they must, those, the issues in terms of that must be discussed at that Section 79 committee. This committee is composed, composed of female councillors and uh, we will want them to, 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 to deal with it and the main purpose is for them to deal with pillar two of the national strategic plan against a uh, GBVF. And we, we call on all uh, uh, private sector uh, uh, companies and all government sectors to come together, work together in fighting this sketch. Chairperson, thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable uh, Honorable members, the next speaker is Honorable M. Paha, TA. Honorable Paha. <laughs> now, uh, thank you, Mr. Bessie. Uh, I was still going according to the list, but I, I didn't realize that it's me now. Um, honorable Chairperson, Honorable Minister, Honorable Members and fellow, fellow South Africans, good afternoon. 58% of South Africa's domestic violence uh, murder victims from April to June 2020 were women. 67% of these women were killed by a current or ex-intimate partner according to national police statistics. In just three months between July and September 2021, 9,556 people, most of whom were women, were raped. This is 7% more than in the previous reporting period. I'm of the view that we must lead from the front in the fight against patriarchy and women abuse. When society observes us behaving in a particular way, many take it as something normal to be followed, especially the younger generation. The number of successful and convicted individuals in our legal system or courts leaves a lot to be desired. It is important that repeat offenders are completely jailed as they will remain a danger to society at large. Gender-based violence continues to be a thorn in the flesh of our society. Three women and a child were murdered. The women allegedly by their boyfriends in the free state over this past weekend. A nine-year-old girl was killed allegedly by a man who also killed his 22-year-old girlfriend and then killed himself. A 28-year-old Limpopo man has been arrested for allegedly raping and killing the six-year-old daughter of his neighbor. These are news-making incidents merely of the past weekend in South Africa. Based on the statistics mentioned, 
it is safe to say that this is a regular weekend experience in South Africa. Gender-based violence should be something we look out for 365 days a year and go beyond the 16 days we concentrate on. We must use the 16 days to assess whether we have managed to live in a free society for all citizens of our country. Let's move away from just awareness, which we have been doing and shift more to accountability. Let's move to making sure that we nurture the girl child and society takes responsibility of ensuring that we support and protect her so that she may reach her goals in life. Let's upskill the girl child to ensure that there is no role and no need for blessers to be seen as an answer to a girl's good life. Ending gender-based violence is imperative if we lay claim to being a society rooted in equality and non-sexism. Um, in his address of the joint sitting of parliament, the president Cyril Ramaphosa stated that women and children of this country were under siege, that there is a very violent and brutal war underway against women and children of South Africa. The launch of the National Strategic Plan on Gender Violence, Gender-Based Violence and Femicide by the president last year has not shown nor demonstrated any progress in fighting the scourge of GPV in this country. There has been no demonstration of strength by the criminal justice system in ensuring that we actually prevent the trauma that women and children go through. Perpetrators of GPV still roam the streets and continue to traumatize and prey on our communities. There is still a huge backlog in GPV cases, and that is why we see less arrests and individuals who have victimized a number of women in this country. It is one thing to provide care and support to survivors of GPV, but it is something else to curb and decisively deal with perpetrators of the same. Our justice system must up its game in ensuring that victims of gender-based violence are able to get protection orders timelessly. We cannot afford to see less numbers of prosecutions when the number keep rising in incidents of gender-based violence. Males should play their role of providing protection to women and children of our country. Those who abuse women and children do not belong in society, but should be charged and imprisoned. Violence against women and children remains a national problem that requires all of us to come together and fight it in unison. Together we can defeat it and root it out of society. Honorable Mkiva, praise the minister. To me, there's nothing to praise the minister about. Honorable Minister Nguano Mashaba, listening to you struggling to read through your speech written for you, there's absolutely no conviction in how you come across. It is therefore no doubt with you at the helm of fighting GBV, we can only go with the current trend, which is backwards. Thank you so much. Thank you, honorable member. Uh, the next speaker is honorable S.E. Lucas, African National Congress, deputy chair. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chair, Chairperson of the National Council of Provinces, Minister Nkwana Mashabane. When I'm standing here, I want to make a proposal that we should scrap 
our 16 days of activism campaign. Less men deliberately misconstrue it as an opportunity for them to kill more girls, more women, more children to get our attention. Because that is what is happening. Just last week, there was a Constable Hoffman that killed his wife. After six years of an abusive marriage, she walked out. And while she was sitting with her sister and friends, he walked in, killed her, shot one of the friends, and afterwards shot himself. That is the kind of violence that we are experiencing in our communities. Just last week, the family of one of our members here in the NCOP, the cousin's son killed his sister's two-month-old baby by stabbing the baby to death in Palm Ridge in Gauteng. That is the kind of things that we are hearing about. And it be it's becoming more and more of a challenge. How are we going to address these issues? I want to, <clears throat> to just for the sake of all of us say that gender-based violence, the debate on gender equality and women's empowerment is not a political issue. It is just like poverty. People that are living in poverty don't need us to politicize about their plight. They need us to have compassion for what they are going through. Equally, it is the issue with those that are suffering under gender-based violence in the patriarchal system. The following input that I'm going to make, and I want to put that, is a part of a debate or an input that I presented on, the behalf, on our behalf at the Interparliamentary Union in the gender parity debate. Patriarchy is a very distinct system. It does not exist on its own. It thrives on the basic economic and political system under which it exists. Therefore, the transformation of South Africa's economy must be in line with the creation of decent work and sustainable livelihoods. This must be within the context of sustainable, equitable, and inclusive economic growth. South Africa, at the current moment, is still grappling with the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, which continues to disproportionately affect women. And if it affects women, it affects their families. Within this broader poverty impact of the pandemic, and what we also term the second pandemic, African women in particular, and women in general, still represent the poorest in South Africa and are most negatively impacted by anything that impact on their way of life. Gender progress and gender equality represent two critical anchors that must be prioritized in the post-COVID economic recovery plan of this country. A study conducted by the World Bank therefore postulates the view 
The gender progress benefits everyone, not just women and children. When economies thrive, women, men, girls, and boys have equal access to opportunities, and more so, communities prosper where women and men are equally empowered. Most importantly, disparities in gender equality come with economic costs. They shortchange the next generation and lead to suboptimal institutions and policies. This study has also found that globally, women account for only 38% of human capital wealth versus the 62% for men. In low and lower middle income countries, women account for a third or less of human capital wealth on a per capita basis. Gender inequality in earnings could lead to losses in wealth of $23,620 per person globally. These losses differ between regions and countries because levels of human capital wealth and thereby losses in wealth due to gender inequality tend to increase in absolute values with economic development. For these reasons, in absolute terms, the losses are said to be the largest in OECD countries. Globally, for the 141 countries included in the analysis, the loss in human capital wealth due to gender inequality is estimated at $160.2 trillion. If we simply assume that women could earn as much as men, this is about twice the value of GDP globally. Said differently, human capital wealth could increase by 20.17% globally and total wealth by 14% with gender equality. Gender equality in earnings. According to the quarterly labor force survey of the second quarter of 2021, as reported by Stats SA, the South African labor market is more favorable to men than it will ever be to women under the current circumstances. Men are more likely to be in paid employment than women, regardless of race, while women are more, more likely than men to be doing unpaid or what we call care work. The proportion of men in, in employment is higher than that of women. More men than women are participating in the labor market as the labor force participation rate of men is, is consistently higher than that of women. And the unemployment rate among men is lower than amongst women, uh, naturally. The unemployment rate among black African women was 41.0% during this period compared to 8.2% among white women, 22.4% among Indian or Asian women, and 29.9% among colored women. It is therefore imperative to ensure that all economic recovery efforts that are implemented by our government or by the state must take into consideration the acute and pervasive nature of economic exclusion and poverty suffered by women. The pandemic also provides with an important opportunity restructure the economy and measurably address structural constraints in the economy and the structural features of poverty, particularly as it adversely impacts on women. It is therefore imperative that we delineate targeted interventions which impede women's effective and equal participation in the economy. Every province and district should be able to communicate their interventions, which will accelerate women's participation in the economy. And why it is important that women should, should participate in the economy. Women that are self-sufficient will not necessarily stay in an abusive relationship. For as long 
as women are prevented from participating fully and effectively in the socio-political and economic sectors of our society, we will continue to function with less than half the capacity required to accelerate human, de human development, particularly in the developing world. What needs to be done is that we need to have gender responsive budgeting institutionalization. It should be prioritized and made part of the finance management reform in order to support the equitable institutionalization of gender budgeting in our planning processes. The budget process should start with the MTEF guidelines that are gender sensitive. For without a gender sensitive and effectively mainstream, mainstreamed MTEF, the approach to gender equality will remain ad hoc and non-binding. Furthermore, the gender budget should contain gender performance and gender impact indicators of all government programs. Honorable Chairperson, Honorable House Chair, patriarchy cannot be eradicated by government only or one group or an organization. It requires the participation of all forces and sectors of society. It is necessary, necessary particularly because patriarchy coexists within and survives even under the most progressive political systems because it's articulated in many diverse, subtle and hidden or open and crude forms because it is explained away in many logical sounding ways, ranging, ranging from the natural, from the biological to religious and cultural arrangements to end patriarchy. And as a result, abuse of women and children, we need a multifaceted approach. Honorable uh, <clears throat> members, intimate relationships which are usually associated with safety, protection and security, have now become platforms for abuse, insecurity and femicide. Gender-based violence has become a silent epidemic, not only because of underreporting, but also because of our collective silence and the silencing of survivors through socio-cultural and religious factors. As communities of faith, we have nurtured a culture of silence and secrecy in relation to gender-based violence and abuse, which must come to an end. I'm taking the focus away from government to show that all of us have got a responsibility to respond to this second pandemic. For a very long time, perpetrators of gender-based violence who are in the religious sector have used our sacred texts narrowly to bolster destructive social systems and abuses. But there is another trajectory running through the sacred texts of a God with the poor and marginalized must enjoy protection from the broader society. Therefore, in the context of gender-based violence and femicide, we must accede that the use of sacred text speaks against violence and abuse of power. It speaks in support of peace, justice, and healing, and creating a world in which every human being is of equal value because we are all created in the image of an upper being. We therefore implore the interfaith community to collaborate in order to assist us in the fight against patriarchy, gender-based violence and femicide, we must adopt comprehensive and inclusive approaches that tackle the root causes, transform harmful, harmful social norms and empower women and girls. These efforts have to be supported by survivor-centered essential services across policing, justice, health and social sectors and sufficient financing for the women's rights agenda. Let us empower the boy child. Equally so, as we are making headway in spreading the message of women empowerment, we need not forget the boy child. We must acknowledge that we cannot have a holistic girl without a well-rounded boy. We must recognize that the boy child is also a victim of gender conditioning. 
socio-cultural norms, immoral and abusive examples of violence, and many more unspoken socio-cultural, socio-political conditioning. Therefore, a neglected boy and child generally grow up to be a very big danger to society. More than any girl, as we speak about girls' empowerment, can ever be. We therefore need to advocate for an education system which will socialize the boy child to be accommodating, egalitarian, and feminist. In conclusion, I want to strongly assert that as male legislators, our male legislators have a very important role to play in eradicating gender inequality and its very varied manifestations. The legislative sector space must be transformed into spaces where women's issues are not only viewed as matters that must be championed by women. Male MPs have an integral role to play in ensuring that they use their voices to ensure that gender equality becomes a reality. The eradication of gender inequality and its violent manifestations requires all forms of struggle, all forms of persuasion, all forms of contestation, compromise, pressure, and confrontation to eradicate. If we want to transform parliaments into spaces of activism as supported by both male and female MPs, it is also imperative that we prioritize examining the institutional culture of our parliaments. We need to eradicate the culture of bullying and sexual harassment, which is reinforced by toxic masculinity and in unequal power relations in, the sp in this space, which also impedes the advancement of gender equality. It is also imperative that our male MPs pledge their commitment to advance the interests of gender equality by becoming agents of change and be an example to men in general society. We applaud government with its commitment to the struggle of women by joining Generation Equality, a global campaign to achieve gender equality by 2030. As part of this campaign, we are part of two action coalitions, one on economic justice and rights and another on gender-based violence and femicide. These coalitions are set to mobilize governments, civil society, and the private sector for collective action. We have an NSP, which among other things aims to promote women's inclusion, meaning the oversight role of legislative sector will have to be strengthened by building strategic partnerships across party political lines and with civil society movements in order to hold all those responsible for the implementation of the national strategic plan accountable. The minister have mentioned the, strict, the strengthening of our legal framework. As you conclude, remember of the said bills that she mentioned, but the struggle is not over. I therefore implore every South African to ensure we raise our voices in unity and undertake corresponding action to root out gender-based violence and femicide from our society. We therefore need to create platforms for regular monitoring and evaluation enabled through a robust action plan so as to ensure the effective functioning of the national gender machinery for greater impact and measurable outcomes. I thank you. Thank you, honorable member. Honorable members, I would like to invite a house chairperson, Jane Yambi, to take over. Thank you, house chairperson, Mama. I'll now invite honorable minister, Nkwana Mashabana, minister in the presidency for women, youth, persons with disabilities, to conclude the debate. Honorable Minister. Uh, Chair, 
Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, let me once again reiterate my appreciation of the NCOP, for it is not the first time. NCOP does not see the eradication of gender-based violence and femicide and the empowerment, economic empowerment of women as just an occasion. We cannot eradicate 16 days of, act, uh, of uh, 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 activism because it is universal. It is an UN activity. South Africa has a responsibility because we have lost our values to work for 365 days. We really would want to appeal, and I actually thought I wasn't going to hear it today, but it will not dampen me. I am an activist. I will continue on the journey of making sure that women are empowered because women of South Africa fought for freedom and freedom to participate in the economy of South Africa and not to be killed. It's what we fought for. President Matamela Cyril Ramaphosa says, women don't kill themselves. Women get killed by toxic masculinity. So if we put it away and work together, we will not be worried about one incident we heard about because many a woman and young women and children are slaughtered by people who know them every day. Jefferson of the NCOP and reliable partner. I'm just so excited that you had represented us not only here, but also abroad. That we have to bury this pandemic because it is men who suffer from this masculinity, which is toxic, that do not help us bury this pandemic, which is man-made. We all have to come together and deal with this matter as a society because it's a societal problem. 365 days. Gender-based violence does not belong within a few departments. It belongs to the society. Progressive men, those who are in the religious corners, those who are in parliament, those who are listening everywhere in every corner of South Africa, please come to the party. Let us bury patriarchy together and make sure that women get their rightful space. Our department's name is Department of Women, Youth and Persons with disabilities. It is not a department that must go see who was killed where, when. Because it's almost like what we are expected to be doing nowadays. 
women are killed, uh, cut by saw blades, or they are drowned. This really has to come to an end in the honor of the legacy of May Charlotte Manye Matoike. Let us work together to put sharp focus on accountability because we can. Accountability means also that we are going to make the six pillars of the NSP life. We are going to leave those. We're going to make sure that they do not, we don't look away, that we are just not aware that another six-year-old child was killed, but that we do something about it. That's where accountability comes. If my neighbor's wife is crying and she has been crying for the past four nights, it should be my business to make sure that she stops crying, but also that she doesn't go to the police station, register a case, and then be called into a corner to make it disappear. Malibongwe, women are here, women make more than 52% of this population. They are peaceful, they have suffered, they suffered triple oppression, we do not want to be killed by those who are supposed to protect and give us space to have the two hands participating to fight against COVID-19, but against uh, the, the, the sluggish growth of As you conclude, community. Minister. As I have just concluded, I thank you. I thank all the members who made available conclusion. Thank you. Thank you. I wish to thank the minister, MSCs, and all special uh, delegates for availing themselves for the debate on the 16 days of activism against gender-based violence with the theme moving from awareness to accountability. All of you, thank you very much for this very important debate. Thank you, House Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Honorable delegates, we now proceed to the first order, consideration of the report of the Select Committee on Petitions and Executive Undertakings. Executive undertakings made by the Minister of Mineral Resources and Energy during the House sitting of the 10th of October 2019, adopted on the 19th of May 2021. I call on Honorable Mukiva, the chairperson of the Select Committee on Petitions and Executive Undertakings, to present the committee report. Honorable Mukiva. Uh, thank you, House Chair, for the honor and the privilege. Uh, good afternoon to you, Chair. How are you? I am fine. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you are very comfortable at home. You can could present the report. 
Thank you, Chair. The Select Committee on Petitions and uh, Undertakings, having requested the Honorable Minister of Mineral Resources and Energy, the Honorable Gwede Mandashe, to appear before it and provide a progress report on the implementation of fulfillment of the executive undertakings made or given on the floor of this august house during the house sitting, as you have indicated, Chair, on the 10th of October, 2020. <clears throat> on this day, the minister made the following undertaking. Let me quote him verbatim. As I indicated, government is now going to monitor the implementation of the agreement that has been arrived at. So we will be an interested party to make sure that there is justice for our people. Had we been a litigant in the whole process, we would have been more actively involved right from the word go, but we were not and we, and we only come, came to later when there were, there were problems. Now that the matter has been raised with us, we are going to ensure that we keep close to this by getting updates and ensure that what has been agreed to and committed to does become something that is implemented. But your point is well made. Our task as government obviously is to ensure that our people are not taken for a right. They are not cheated and they are not robbed of what is due to them. Particularly people who have suffered in this way as a result of what happened in the mining industry. The asbestos claim and all that. We are prepared and willing to follow up, uh, to follow that up. Here are the observations and the key findings, um, uh, Honorable Chair. In noting the progress report given by the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy in relation to the implementation of the executive undertakings under review, the committee made the following observations and key findings. The department confirmed that there was still money available to pay outstanding claimants, indicating each beneficiary was paid according to the findings from their medical examination and the amount paid had varied. Point number two, the department had to consider the fact that several of workers had not contracted asbestos-related diseases. As a result, it had to recommend that those who have found not to have contracted asbestos-related diseases have a medical re-examination. And the department has assigned the deputy chief inspector of the mines to look at this communication strategy to aid in identifying beneficiaries. Number three, the department reported that it has implemented the de-release and owner, uh, ownerless mining program to ensure that mines sites are subjected to environmental rehabilitation measures. Number four, the department committed to do a follow-up with those legal firms based in the United Kingdom and further assure that they are prepared to conclude this matter in this financial year of 20, 2021. The recommendations are as follows. Further, in noting the progress report made by the Director General of Minerals, Resources and Energy, the committee recommends the following. 
the department to ensure that all mining companies implement their social and labor plans in the communities in which they function. The committee recommends that the department provides quarterly updates to the claimants and the committee until this matter is finalized. Uh, Chairperson, I therefore uh, recommend that uh, this report be adopted by this August House because that is the, uh, the recommendation we're making as a committee. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Mkiva, Chairperson of the committee. Uh, Honorable Terry Gates, I now put the question. The question is that the report be agreed to. Before we proceed to voting, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make the declaration of vote in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting on the question, and the question is that the report be adopted. I will call upon provinces to cast their vote, uh, make sure that heads of delegations are present. Uh, we'll do it in alphabetical order. Eastern Cape. Uh, thank you, Honorable House Chairperson. Uh, Eastern Cape supports uh, the report. Thank you. Thank you. Free State. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chairperson of the Council. Free State supports the report. Thank you. Gauteng. Gauteng supports the report, Honorable Chairperson. Thank you. Wazulu Natal. Yes, Thank you, Mama. Ipopo. Mpopo support the report, Chairperson. Thank you. Mpumalanga? Mpumalanga support the report. Thank you. Northern Cape? Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Northwest? Northwest support the report, Chair. Thank you. Western Cape? Western Cape supports the report. Thank you. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with section 65 of the constitution. Honorable delegates, we'll now proceed to the second order, consideration of the report of the Select Committee on Petitions and Executive Undertakings. Executive undertakings made by the Minister of Public Works and Infrastructure during the House sitting of 16 July 2020, adopted on the 19th of May 2021. I'll call upon Honorable Mkiva, Chairperson of the Select Committee on Petitions and Executive Undertakings, to present the committee report. Honorable Mkiva. Thank you, House Chair, again for this opportunity. Uh, the Select Committee on Petitions and Undertakings, having requested the Honorable Minister of Public Works and Infrastructure, the Honorable Patricia DeLille, to appear before it and provide a progress report on the implementation of fulfillment of executive undertakings made or given on the floor of this house on a sitting of the 16th of July, 2020. On this day, the minister said the following. Some of the special projects that will be implemented in specific provinces are 
The Rural Wellisizwe Bridges Project will initially focus implementation in three provinces with the highest risks being the Eastern Cape, KwaZulu-Natal, and the Free State Province. The Rural Roads Upgrade Project focuses implementation in five provinces, being Limbobo, Mpumalanga, Eastern Cape, KwaZulu-Natal, and the Northwest Province. We will embark on a process of social facilitation that is an inclusive engagement and project development approach that has four critical pillars, namely, full inclusivity where, where the community is involved throughout the project life cycle. Co-creation, where the community co-creates the project implementation plan. And project ownership, where the community co-owns the project. We are in the process of establishing Infrastructure South Africa, which is abbreviated as ISA, as a single entry point for all infrastructure where there will be a comprehensive infrastructure um, project pipeline that is assessed by the CIDS methodology, where the focus is on implementation that it needs driven. As part of the adjustment estimates, an amount of 1.6 billion was reprioritized within the department baseline, which is under transfers and subsidies, mainly relate to the following programs. The prioritized budget will be used to recruit participants for COVID-19 and GBV activities. The committee made the following observations and key findings, Honorable Chair. In noting the progress report given by the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure in relation to the implementation of the executive undertaking under view, the committee made the following observations and key findings. One. The department is confident it can complete the 400 bridges and will be working on multiple sites at the same time. It assured improving the quality of the bridges and getting better service providers. The designs on the bridges are done by in-house structural engineers. This is part of an enhancing the internal capacity of the state. The department reported that through the integration of the Presidential Infrastructure Coordination, Co Coordinating Commission Technical Task Team and the Investment and Infrastructure Office. The external relations function was established, which provides for inter-alia social facilitation. Three, the department reported that the integration of the IIO in the presidency and the PICC Triple T is with the Department of Public Service and Administration for finalization. The recommendation therefore shares as follows. Further, in noting the progress report made by the Minister of Public Works and Infrastructure, Honorable Dilil, the committee observes that the executive undertakings have been adequately implemented and therefore recommends that this is closed. I therefore wish to propose that this House adopts this report. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Delegates. I now put the question the question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make their declaration of vote in terms of rule 7-1, if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting on the question. And the question is that the report be adopted. We'll do it in alphabetical order in calling the provinces. Eastern Cape? 
Thank you again, uh, Honorable Half Chairperson, uh, Eastern Cape vote in favor of the report. Thank you. Thank you. Free State. Thanks, House Chairperson. Free State supports the report. Thank you. Gauteng. Gauteng in support of the report, Chairperson. Thank you. Wazulu Natal. Thank you, Mama. Limpopo? Limpopo support the report, Honorable Deputy Chairperson. Thank you. Pumalanga? Pumalanga support. Thank you. Northern Cape? Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Northwest? Northwest support the report, Chair. Thank you. Western Cape? Western Cape supports the report. Thank you. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with Section 65 of the Constitution. Honorable delegates will now proceed to the third order, consideration of the report of the Select Committee on Petitions and Executive Undertakings executive undertakings made by the Minister of Social Development during the House sitting of the 22nd of July 2020, adopted on the 11th of November 2021. I now call upon Rumkiva, Chairperson of the Select Committee on Petitions and Executive Undertakings, to present the committee report. Honorable Rumkiva. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, the Select Committee on petitions and executive undertakings, having requested the Honorable Minister of Social Development, the Honorable Lind Wezul, to appear before it and provide progress report on the implementation of the executive undertakings made on this House floor on the date which we have already mentioned, the 22nd of July 2020. Uh, the Minister said uh, the following, Honorable House Chair. We are strengthening the capabilities of our programs relative to the challenges that accompany the COVID-19 pandemic. To date, we have received over 7.8 million applications for the special COVID-19 SRD grant. Of this number, we have approved over 4 million applications and to whom just over 1.7 billion rents will be dispersed. I have been inundated with concerns from members of the public and organizations representing persons with disabilities, including some honorable members of this house regarding the intake for disability grants. SASA is currently exploring ways in which we can safely and progressively reintroduce these services, and we will make an announcement in due course. Our long-term plan starting in the current financial year is to introduce the food voucher system and expand it beyond well-established retailers for communities to buy directly from their local food suppliers who are small, medium, and macro enterprises, community-owned or cooperatives. From its original budget allocation of 7 million rands, the National Development Agency, NDA, targets to benefit cooperatives and civil society organizations, especially those involved in the production of COVID-19 related PPEs. The committee made the following observations and the key findings. 
in noting the progress report given by the Department of Social Development in relation to the implementation of the executive undertaking under review, the committee made the following observations. One, the department assured the committee that it could account for all donations that it had received from the various players who had assisted in it in terms of food distribution. And it could also account for all food that it had distributed as a department in Sasa since their systems were very sound in this regard. Number two, the department indicated that the opportunities would arise as a result of what the president had announced in terms of the economic reconstruction and recovery plan. And it should be noted that the department and other departments will be working to provide the database and assist those people to be able to get into the economic opportunities. Number three, the national treasury had been very strict in the sense that it had raised the issue of the fiscal constraints, which limited the department's capacity and ability to employ more social workers. However, the department informed the committee that it has continued to engage the national treasury and it was a continuous process of an engagement. Number four, regarding the issue of GBV and the specific programs that the department was working on, it reported that there was a GBV command center that provided real-time information in terms of what was happening in various districts. It has a high-end technology and geolocation systems. And that the ministry had recently launched a program with a number of other programs that the department was working on with the provinces and other role players and stakeholders, particularly in civil society to try and extend the message of GBV. The recommendation house chair is as follows. Further, in noting the progress report made by the Minister of Social Development, the Honorable Lindwe Zulu, the committee lastly observes that the executive undertakings have been adequately implemented and therefore recommends that we should close this uh, item by proposing to this house for the adoption of this report. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Mkiva. Honorable Delegates, I now put the question. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make their declaration of vote in terms of rule 7-1, if they so wish. We shall now proceed to voting on the question, and the question is that the report be adopted. I will call upon provinces, we'll do it in an alphabetical order. Christine Cape. Free State, thank you. Free State. Thanks, Mr. Chairperson. Free State supports the report. Thank you. Gauteng. Gauteng in support of the report. Thank you. Guazulu Natal. Guazulu Natal is still obeying the government. Thank you, Mama Limpopo. Limpopo support, Chairperson. Thank you. Pumalanga. Pumalanga support. Thank you. Northern Cape. Northern Cape support the report, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Northwest. Northwest support the report, Chair. Thank you. Western Cape. Western Cape. 
Thank you. Voting is now closed. Nine provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with section 65 of the constitution. Honorable delegates will now proceed to the fourth order, consideration of the report of the Joint Standing Committee on Defense, oversight visit to selected uh, military bases in Houghton and to the selected landline borders over the period 27 to the 29th of November 2020, dated 11 February 2021 and 18 March 2021. The Honorable Nchabeleng Co-Chairperson Joint Standing Committee on Defense. Um, thanks, Chairperson. And let me greet the honorable members in the house and those who are connecting from home. This report was adopted by the committee some months ago. Um, yeah, hence the some of as, as, as I go on, you'll see that there's a discussion in terms of the dates. Uh, Chairperson, the Joint Standing Committee functions under Section 228D of the 1993 Interim Constitution that allows the committee to, I quote, investigate and make recommendations regarding the budget. It's 17 hours. Organization, armaments, policy, morale, and state of preparedness of the National Defense Force close code. In line with this legislative mandate, the JCD conducted oversight visit to one military hospital, the South African Army uh, Ordinance Sub-Depot, sub Valmansdal, Air Force Base, Waterloo, and three landline border sites in Limpopo, Mpumalang, and KwaZulu-Natal. The primary aim of the oversight visit was for the JCD to, to be briefed on the conditions at the identified military bases and to assess the conditions under which our soldiers are deployed as part of Operation Corona along South Africa's borderline. <clears throat> the secondary aim was to familiarize committee members with the conditions at military bases in order to inform their broader parliamentary oversight mandate. Key findings um, at the base and deployment areas. One military hospital. One military hospital is the South, is, is the South African National Defense's uh, primary medical facility and provides key medical services, not only to civilian soldiers, but also to their dependents and military veterans. The Joint Standing Committee visit on Defense visited in, visit in 2020 was informed by concerns expressed by the JSCD in the fifth parliament around the repair and maintenance program, what is called the REM uh, at the hospital. The REM project, which was started in 2006, is yet to be completed and has had a negative impact, impact on, the, on the hospital's, hospital's ability to, to provide effective and efficient medical services to its clients. During the oversight uh, visit, the JCD observed the first floor of the, of, of the hospital that is supposed to contain several operating theaters and specialist units. Unfortunately, no construction has taken place on this floor for several years, and it, and it remains a construction site, offering no use 
to the hospital. The committee was also informed that the absence of operating theatres results in very high outsourcing costs to the SNDF when patients are sent to private facilities. Similarly, the Department of De Defense expressed dissatisfaction with the services provided by the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure in relation to the REMP project. The Joint Standing Committee has committed to continuously follow up on the matter, and the committee has held several meetings to track progress in June and September 2021. Crucially, the committee will receive an updated briefing on first military hospital REM uh, project on 3 December. Uh, that will be focusing on the out outcome of a forensic investigation into the project as well as consequence management. The visit to one military also revealed the positive development regarding the emergency construction of COVID-19 emergency ward on the hospital seventh floor, which was constructed in a very short turnaround time. This construction highlights that the capacity exists to deliver quality medical services to members of the ACNDF, their dependents and veterans. South African Army Main Ordinance Sub-Depot Valmansdal. Um, the short visit to the South African Army Main Ordinance Sub-Depot Valmansdal highlighted infrastructure concerns. The committee was especially concerned about the interruption of water and electricity supply to the base, giving, it, giving its challenges around hygiene and the interruption of base activities. Uh, Air Force Base Water Proof. The Joint State Committee was briefed by the General Officer commanding the Air Force Base Waterloo on the various units housed at the base as well as challenges faced. The committee observed a very committed command team at the base that has managed to improve services despite a number of challenges. The commanders should be commended for increasing overall aircraft visibility, presenting plans to improve on the availability of the C-130 transport aircraft and the general neediness of the base. As with many SNDF bases around the country, infrastructure and equipment remain a major concern. This includes challenges with the, runaway light, with the runway lighting, dolomite sinkholes, and general major concern, uh, sinkholes and general infrastructure maintenance that is dependent on the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure. A key, a key takeaway from the committee's engagement with Air Force commanders is the urgent need to review the South African Air Force's strategic airlift capacity. While the dedicated team of base commanders are stretching aircraft serviceability, it is becoming increasingly clear that the South African Air Force is in need of new C-130 or equivalent uh, airlift uh, aircraft as well as an affordable long-term maintenance plan. Uh, looking at the landline borders, the Joint Stating Committee is the South, the, the South African Defence Force units deployed along South Africa's borders with Zimbabwe and Mozambique. These soldiers play an important part in protecting South, Africa, South Africa's territorial sovereignty, preventing cross-border crime and the illegal movement of undocumented persons. While a recent Cat Blanche TV show expose uh, highlighted that some soldiers are complicit in corrupt activities along the border, it must be stated that the, the Trans Committee's oversight visit 
revealed a disciplined and highly committed force. The SNDF should be commended for its commitment to act against those party who, parties who corrupt, uh, with corrupt activities. And the, the, the Joint Statement Committee will follow up on these commitments to, to ensure that border safeguarding is not compromised. The commitment of soldiers to border communities also become evident during the visit. All deployed units were involved in some social responsibility project during their term of deployment, ranging from the purchase of wheelchairs, sanitary towels, school shoes, groceries, to assistance with the repair and maintenance of rural schools. These projects are largely funded by the soldiers, uh, by the soldiers' own contributions and highlighted their commitment in, in addition to their formal role in border safeguarding. While observing a high level of dedication, the SNDF border deployments face significant operational challenges, including one, the, um, the landward border safeguarding deployment consists of only 15 subunits along the South Africa's entire 4,862 kilometer of land borders. Despite Parliament's previous calls to increase this number, as was the case in the 2020 Budgetary Review Recommendations Report of the Portfolio Committee on Defense Elementary Veterans, no funds are available to such, for such a deployment. The border fences remain inadequate along the South African Zimbabwe border. The newly constructed fence has all but disappeared along, uh, allowing for the for the free flow of people, vehicles, and goods across the border. The construction of barriers to prevent cross-border car smuggling on the KwaZulu-Natal-Mozambique border was a positive development observed by the committee, but more needs to be done. The borderline facilities for soldiers built and maintained by the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure are not adequate and poorly maintained. Often, often lacking the, the most basic services such as water and sanitation. Technology such as sensors and unmanned aerial uh, vehicles is not efficiently used. It's, it's not efficiently used as a, force, as a force multiplier on the borderlands to offset the need for physical personnel. The Joint Standing Committee plans to continue its oversight of the border safeguarding situation. On 25 November 2021, this year, the committee will engage the SNDF for an adequate, for an update on Operation Corona, as well as several uh, vehicle tracking companies on their cooperation with the South African National Defense Force in efforts to cap uh, vehicle movements across the border. Um, in conclusion, I'm allowing you a minute to round it off. In conclusion, the, 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 the Joint Stating Committee visits to the precarious situation around defense in South Africa, on one hand. It reflected highly dedicated uh, South African National Defense personnel who are executing their tasks as best as they can despite their fiscal constraints, poor equipment, and deteriorating in infrastructure. For this level of co co commitment, all SNDF members should be highly commended and encouraged. 
On the other hand, the oversight visit reflected the urgent need for a reassessment of the future of the SNDF and South Africa's approach to defense. It is evident that this investment in defense infrastructure and a lack of maintenance has had negative impact on defense capabilities. This concern is compounded by poor delivery against defense requirements by the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure. It is also evident that a shrink in defense budget has resulted in limited equipment acquisition for the South African National Defense Force. This highlights the urgent need to review South African Air Force aircraft needs, borderline technology requirements, and land-led defense cap capabilities such as transport vehicles, border, border debate around the defense of the South Africa is, is required. And pursuant to this mandate in section 228D of the 1993 interim constitution, the joint standing committee will continue to oversee this matter to aid in the establishment of an effective and efficient South African National Defense Force. And I thank you. Thank you. Honorable Chabelin. <laughs> Honorable delegates, I now put the question. The question is that the report be adopted. Before we proceed to voting, I shall allow provinces the opportunity to make declaration of vote in terms of Rule 71, if they so wish, uh, Western Cape. Thank you, Deputy House Chair. Um, the logistical arrangements for this oversight visit were atrocious, resulting in a member arriving at the hotel with no arrangements being made for his accommodation or on onward transport. And as a result, the member could not participate in the oversight visit, and so he returned home. If this was an isolated incident, that might be, have been forgiven. However, at the very next oversight meeting of the same committee to KZN and Gauteng following the July insurrection, once again, logistical arrangements were problematic, leaving members stranded in KZN at all and causing last-minute ticket swaps and part of the delegation having to miss the second half of that oversight tour. Reverting to the oversight visit in this report, the standout issue is the incomplete project at One Military Hospital. One Military Hospital was once the gold standard in healthcare and boasted some of the best healthcare capabilities in the country. Healthcare fit for a president. What the committee observed was a failed repair and maintenance project started in 2006 and abandoned in 2015. Entire floors of the hospital remain unsuitable or unusable to date as a result. Mr. Chair, as recently as last week, the Joint Standing Committee on Defense had a meeting with the Minister of Public Works and Infrastructure, and it became clear that there is still no plan. A year since this oversight to reinvigorate this project. Ownership of this project is still in dispute. Is it public works or is it the Defence Force formation that must take the project further? No one seems to know or even care. And all, of, all the while, a once proud institution is left to decay under an ANC government that couldn't care less about the men and women in its employ. The men and women in uniform who are prepared to put their lives on the line to defend this country and our democracy. Shame on you.
We fully support the report and its recommendations. I thank you. Thank you. The second declaration of vote in terms of Rule 71 is Northern Cape. Honorable Padlet. Honorable Chairperson, the oversight report that is tabled today for consideration by this uh, House provides a clear uh, account on the events that took place when the Joint Standing Committee on Defense and the Portfolio Committee to the selected military bases. The Portfolio Committee visited one military hospital, South African Army Main Ordnance, Sub Depot Warmanstall, the Air Force Base Waterkloof, and three landline uh, borders over three landline uh, borders, which are the Lebombo border with Mozambique, the Baitbridge border in Zimbabwe, and the Komati port border in Pumalanga. The purpose was to further assess the impact on the state of the Operation Corona. The military hospitals provide effective healthcare services and sustain the capable health service for South African National Defense Force in the military hospital. There was a repair and maintenance program which seek to improve the conditions of the hospital and though there were challenges with the implementations of the project, but there was work done and this on the seventh floor of the military hospital was then used as isolation facility, ICU and high care. With renewal capabilities, however, there's a need to finish the ramp and finish the first floor of the hospital as soon as possible. Honorable Chairperson, the report further looked at the Baitbridge border area on the 28th of November, 2020. This is where some of the soldiers were deployed in Operation Corona, and the primary purpose of deployment was to curb the illegal movement of the people and goods across the South African borders from the land to air the maritime border. As this is part of the primary mandate of the South African National Defense Force, which is to protect the territorial borders. One of the main challenges at the borders, there's limited number of forces on the ground to provide support. There are damages done at the border fences, but this includes shortages of military vehicles, though there were challenges, but the SNDF was in his role, execute this task exceptionally well. Therefore, Honorable Chairperson, the INC support adoption of this report. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable uh, Delegates. Those are the two provinces identified. We shall now proceed to voting on the question. And the question is that the report be adopted. I will now call upon the provinces to cast their vote. When called upon, delegates must indicate whether they are in favor, against, or abstain. Eastern Cape. Uh, thank you, House Chair. Eastern Cape vote in favor. Thank you. Free State? Free State vote in favor, Honorable House Chairperson. Thank you. Houteng? Houteng in favor, House Chairperson. Thank you. Wazulu Natal? Wazulu Natal, yes, Thank you. Limpopo? Limpopo vote in favor, Chairperson. Thank you. Mpumalanga? Pumalanga vote in favor. Thank you. Northern Cape? Northern Cape vote in favor, Honorable Chair. Thank you. Northwest? Northwest? 
not connected. Western Cape. Cape supports the report. Thank you. Voting is now closed. Eight provinces voted in favor. I therefore declare the report adopted in accordance with section 65 of the constitution. Honorable members, already before next week, the chairperson of the NCOP in Tatemasondo has started giving presents. So I've seen all of you receiving the present from Tatemasondo. That's from the office of the chairperson that's Tatemasondo giving us. All of us will have it. Hopefully, those that are on virtual, hopefully, those that are on the virtual platform. That Masondo will make some means. <laughs> Chair and the deputy chairperson, they've started giving the Christmas present. Those on the virtual, you will be considered. Honorable delegates, I wish to thank MSCs, Salga representatives, all special delegates for availing themselves for this important sitting of the day of today. Honorable delegates, that concludes the business of the day. The house is adjourned. Thank you.